Hello, and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about Infinity Train. My name is Nobody, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal on the podcast car. It's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian? I'm doing good. I guess I am, again, the most wanted criminal after these couple episodes, huh? <laughs> well, you know, you've brought that up a couple times now, and I think there is something very important that we have to, like... I haven't been saying most wanted on the train... True. We, okay, we need. Okay, we need to. Everybody, go and petition HBO to get them to actually make season five Infinity Train because we need to actually get to the podcast car. Exactly. <laughs> and, and also appeal to Owen Dennis to put the two of us as characters in an episode at the podcast car. <laughs> <laughs> I would just be just as happy to be an extra in Among Us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're we're definitely like uh just two crewmates just hanging out in a different room, kind of just not even paying attention <laughs> to what's going on, just doing a podcast on it before we both get stabbed by the imposters. <laughs> not even doing our tasks, just kind of hanging out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as most people actually play Among Us rather than actually doing tasks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be fair, it is a legitimate strategy to actually not at all focus on the task and try to actually follow and watch people to figure out who's the imposter. <laughs> <laughs> It just makes you look super sus because you're not actually doing anything, so you might accidentally get ejected yourself. <laughs> God, what a, what a weird turn of events that is, huh? Where Owen Dennis is doing an Among Us cartoon. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, I, I mean, look, if you gotta go with anybody to make an Among Us cartoon, I guess having somebody who actually can make a good story about, like, people being stuck in an environment, even if it is a, like, very long you know, some would say infinitely <laughs> so, train, I guess, that at least kind of translates over to being stuck on a ship. Well, I mean, listen, we know he can bring the pathos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's like, just the fact that it is also being made by Owen Dennis, it's like, well, that at least interests me a little bit. I don't know how you could really do a, like, I mean, I guess it would be like freaking the Danganronpa anime adaptation kind of deal, right? Like, that's, like, obviously, like, shorter than the games, but it's, like, kind of has to be, because the Nagarapa games can be... I think they're, like, some, like, 20, 25 hours long, depending. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, obviously they, like, dilute that down. I think, like, the entirety of Nagarapa 1 is over the course of, like, maybe 12 or 13 episodes compared <laughs> to the game. So, I don't know. I guess it can be done, but I also don't know if it'd be something you could really do for, like, multiple seasons. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, turns out this is just a secret Infinity Train reboot. Uh, Amelia walks through at the end of the first episode. <laughs> and then she immediately gets got by the imposter. <laughs> the whole thing was just in the Among Us car. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I guess we would maybe get a conclusion to Amelia and uh, Hazel then, because I don't think we're getting one in the show, considering that I know season four is... Uh, People. Uh, <laughs> so, whoops, I guess I guess that uh, kind of cliffhanger bit in the beginning of episode 9 doesn't actually get resolved ever. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. I'm sure, obviously, like, they, they obviously didn't plan it that way. They just got screwed over by the network. So, unfortunately, shit happens. Yeah. Yeah, it sure does. But sometimes uh, magic stuff happens because Warrior Nun is back, so. Yeah, it's like, it's like hey, in a sea of a bunch of shows getting fucking cancelled, like that uh, Star Trek Prodigy, Prodigy show, 
where again it's like Paramount Plus is no longer the place for all Star Trek everything. So, yeah. But they sold themselves on. So it's like, well, at least one show got to get saved. <laughs> and I guess secondly, also, I mean, on that note, like the Monday releases tomorrow, so, and like that movie's been in development hell for so long because Dizzy fucking screwed them over initially. Yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at least there's like a few things that are getting saved in this uh, modern uh, trend of fucking have one season of a show and then immediately fucking kill it off for tax write-offs. <sighs> Yay, future. Yay. Now, I'm just gonna say, freaking, I was promised flying cars and self-hydrating pieces by the year 2015, and I didn't get that, instead we got this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> So, I think uh, Back to the Future might have lied to me. <laughs> Flying cars are a thing. It's just that they are very bad. And Oh, oh yeah, I mean, based, just based on the fact that we can't even get self-driving cars to work, I would not want the populace at large to have access to flying cars. Because <laughs> that would be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Skycar has been completed and has been trying to get to market since like 2006, but no one will approve it because it's a flying car, so. <laughs> yeah, it's like that just a uh, series of disasters waiting to happen, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I mean, we can't we can't be trusted with cars that people themselves drive, really. So you don't want to trust people with cars that they fly. <laughs> <laughs> There's this wild concept called a pilot's license, and it turns out that if you want to pilot an aircraft, you kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not everybody's Drew Scanlon, where they just casually decide to get their pilot's license. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forget if Drew actually did finish his with that. It's 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 been ages since like Drew Scanlon's really been like. As like uh, vocal, I guess I would say on Twitter concerning that like his uh, whole like cloth map project he was doing basically got killed from COVID. I know he at least bounced back. He actually, he found work afterwards, but unfortunately, yeah, cloth map was a fun little project he was doing, but that's been dead for years now because of COVID. Right. This is a bummer. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to be like, wait, it's only been a week since, it's only been like one week that we missed, and how does it already feel like we have nothing to talk about? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just gonna say that, uh, I, you know, am in a different place now, different location. Um, I'm back at my parents' house, so if the audio sounds different, that's why. Because it turns out, and I never realized this before because I didn't, like, record shows or anything before. My room is directly next to the machine what makes the house not boil us alive, so <laughs> it would not surprise me if that kicks on at some point during our recording. <laughs> yeah, and even just a couple days ago, you mentioned that a certain uh, fluffy resident of the house uh, tried to get in the way of the internet working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it was resolved pretty quickly, but yes, my sister's rabbit, she keeps... She's got a pen in the living room, basically. Just like a two-foot-high cage that the rabbit can go around. It's quite large. She doesn't always live down there, but most of the time it's just easier because, you know, anybody can feed her and it's not going into my sister's room. But yeah. uh, while we were away, uh, said rabbit just hopped right over the bars and chewed through the internet cable and then went back in. So... <laughs> <laughs> Who is... 
Who, wait, did the rabbits have enough food while you were gone? Oh, like, yeah. Did... We had a, someone coming over to take care of her. Oh, okay, yeah. Because, like, I was about to be like, wait, unless you had, like, an automated feeder that had enough food in it, uh, yeah, that rabbit would have not been a happy camper if not being fed every day. Yeah, no, no worries there, but she is totally capable of hopping out of the, the thing and just usually does not bother, except for this one specific time. <sighs> Criminal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, that's actually at least, like, a better environment for a rabbit than just being in a cage, because it's like, they need room to run around and hop about. Yeah. Well, I mean, her place in the room is a big out. hutch. It's like a three-story thing. She's got more than enough space, but... Okay. The real issue is that my sister is a medical professional, and her shifts start at 3 in the morning, so if someone else has oh. to feed the rabbit, she's asleep most of the day, so... Yeah, so it kind of has to be accessible to everybody rather than just being in her room. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, rabbits, the rabbits definitely will just chew whatever, like some of our previous rabbits would basically just like get their hand or their paws on the uh, like TV remote and start biting at some of the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> like, there were definitely a few buttons on the old TV set back when there, there were still rabbits in the household that like just, just like, well, this button is a little bit hard to press now because half the button's missing. Cool, thanks, rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that does... <laughs> yeah, they need a lot of chew toys. I mean, to be fair, like a lot of it is them trying to keep their teeth from growing too large in order for that. Because, like, I'm pretty sure rabbit teeth, if they grow too large, could actually like pierce through their skull or something, right? Um, yeah. I feel like that would be a pretty extreme and rare case, but I might, yeah, I might be thinking of like maybe it's guinea pigs is that has that situation happen. I think is what I might be thinking of. But yeah, like, they, they still need outlets to chew to keep their teeth down. Much yeah. like all rodents, basically. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, not as much has really gone on with on my end, comparatively. Like, I mean, like I mentioned before, my mom came to visit for the weekend. Uh, we at least got to go to that Pride event. It fortunately only kind of got partially rained down in the morning, but by the time we went in the afternoon, it was cleared up, but Unfortunately, some of the vendors basically had called out just because of that. Ooh. It was really more. It was really more of a like pride stroll. Like it was basically like a few like kiosks around like a like center of a town basically, and like there were a few shops around that were basically doing like pride themed like sales and stuff. So it wasn't as like much of a like you know pride parade or anything like that or like big pride events, but it was still at least like just a fun little like. I think like maybe we were there for like maybe an hour and a half or so and looked at the shops, bought some uh, bought some shirts and stuff. I got stuck in one of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in my defense, it's because I'm still not used to having to take clothes off by like grabbing them from like the hem and lifting them up over my head kind of deal. I'm used to being able to just basically like take a sl like my get my arms out of the sleeves and then lift them over like that. <laughs> like you know like uh, you think like button up shirts. <laughs> I guess, sure. Uh, I, I don't know, I just kind of take shirts off. It's not a big deal. <laughs> well, I mean, this one was also, like, this shirt was actually, like, uh, advertised as being more of a, like, tunic kind of shirt. Like, it's, like, a longer one, too. So it's, like, I think it's also that, like, I don't know, some part of its design is just, like, it was just 
I guess, slightly tied around the arm, so I couldn't just wiggle my arms out, even though it's like, when, it's like it was a silly situation of like me in the changing room, and I I had the shirt on the hall, so it's not like I was like you know uh, indecent or anything, but like basically I had to like poke my head out around the curtain and be like, "Mom, I'm stuck." And she's like, "How, how are you stuck?" It's like I I I got my arm in, I can't get my <laughs> arm out now. <laughs> so like, and like she was looking at this thing, and then she was just like, "Just just lift it up from the bottom." And it's like I I kind of tried that, <laughs> but I, I just like I'll try again, I guess. And then I closed the thing and I was able to get off that way. <laughs> The thing really is that I think uh, some uh, not in not with that shirt in particular, but some of the other older shirts I have, like even my Pride Demon shirt, I think it's that like I bought that before I became uh, severely more imboobed, I would say. So some of them also are a little bit like more tighter to get on and off as a result because there's more titty. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like a case of me being like, okay, well, hmm, <laughs> didn't think this would necessarily really be a problem, but then again. I, I bought that shirt last summer, and that was before the imboopening. <laughs> uh. Yeah, but uh, we had fun. We went, we got my ear pierced like two days earlier than we had expected, because uh, funnily enough, when she got here on Friday after we had lunch, we were basically like, yeah, what do you want to do? You want to go look for clothes and stuff? So then, like, we went to... We we looked at shoes first, which is why we went to DSW, and we were right basically across the street from where the mall is that I was supposed to get the piercing debt. So we were like, let's go over there and look at stuff, because like I also wanted to look at like a couple different kinds of like bras and stuff to see if I could find. Because like I'd I'd read that like demi bras are good for people that have like more brighter space press and all. So I was like, I wanted to try some of those. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for me that. But while we were there. We were right by the piercing pagoda, so we and they didn't look busy, so we we're like, "Do you want to just walk over and ask if we can get it done now?" And it's like, "I guess, because we're here, and this way we don't have to <laughs> rush against like, because basically, like as it is, like she basically left like around two in the afternoon on Sunday, and the appointment we had was for one on Sunday, so like it would have basically if we wanted to get around that same time frame, it would have basically been getting the ear piercings, driving back to my place, and then she would be immediately be taking off again. Right. So it worked out better because like basically Sunday she just basically checked out the hotel. So like around 11, came over and was just over here for like three hours hanging out, playing board games and stuff before she left. <laughs> so it was way more, it was way more relaxing comparatively compared to uh, having to drive around to a mall and drive back and get back in the car to drive four hours. <laughs> so yeah, we got that done. Earrings are annoying for people who like to sleep on their sides mostly and don't like sleeping on their backs. <laughs> but I'll live. Only five <laughs> more weeks of that. But I did I get uh. We did also get super push-up bras from Victoria's Secret slash Pink, and those get me pretty close to full-on cleavage, and I like it. All right. These ones work, I yeah. guess. <laughs> well, I mean, they're they're literally labeled as super push-up. <laughs> so it's like, when I saw that, I was like, well, if Demi bras and all this other stuff didn't work, this, I think, is the closest I'm going to get, maybe. And it's like, it gets pretty fucking close. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know you saw because I definitely saw uh, you posting a lot of uh, silly reactions, pictures, and stuff, or the mm -hmm. reaction uh, things on Discord when I posted that picture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah with the little king doing the little like uh, finger guns kind of thing from the trash can. <laughs> so that was fun. But yeah, no, it's like uh, not a whole lot since then. I would say like I have a uh, interview lined up tomorrow for the afternoon, so at least I have that. But, uh, yeah, mostly just, uh, staying the chorus. I did play the Pikmin 4 demo, at least. That's, uh, that's Pikmin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's being a little dismissive. I didn't play Pikmin 3 because I kind of didn't like Pikmin 2. 
in part that was because Pikmin 2 like really heavily focused on the like controlling multiple characters, like splitting up duties and stuff with the two different space guys. Right. And it focused a lot on like also like underground dungeony kind of stuff, which felt at times just a little bit too tough and like in like an unfair way. This this is saying a lot considering I play Dark Souls and stuff and say that those games are fair, but I think Pikmin 2 was not fair. Uh, and also, like, Pikmin 2 also, part of it was that it didn't feel as pressured just because there was no time limit compared to the first game. So, I mean, it, it's it's weird because it's like, technically Pikmin 3 doesn't have a time limit either, you just have to basically collect, like, at least one piece of fruit to make, I think it was juice, to survive. <laughs> I don't know why it was juice. <laughs> but in Pikmin 4, there's really no time limit either, but it's like, it still is like there's at least enough in it to do, and it doesn't feel like... I don't know, like, part of it is, like, it feels more relaxed in Pikmin 2, so even without a time limit, it's, like, it doesn't seem, like, the worst to let it go with that, and also it's, like, you know, it's still, like, you still want to make sure to actually, like, try to be efficient with your days anyway, because it's, like, I'm sure there's probably, like, a challenge mode kind of deal of, like, how quick can you beat the game or whatever in whatever amount of days kind of deal of, like, you know, compared to, like, what people would, like, you know, for bragging rights, more or less. Well, yeah, probably. (laughs) But, I, I mean, you still have at least, like, some characters splitting up in this, because, like, you can split away from the dog, which is the new big feature. Have the dog actually control its own group of Pikmin and stuff and get stuff done. But it doesn't feel like it's as much focused on that, because, like, the dog also has, like, specific abilities, and sometimes you actually want to just be there with the dog, because you can ride the dog to get Pikmin across water, because some of the blue ones drown if they go in water. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like a, the dog can also, like, charge to, like, knock like, some stuff over, so it's got its own features that uh, your little space character can't. And <laughs> hey, this time around, you get to design your space character and they use genderless pronouns with the character. They use they, them all the time, so hooray. Hey. <laughs> yep. The character creator is a little bit silly, though. My character looks a little bit goofy. <laughs> I, mean... I didn't want to make, like, a... I mean, because, like, the default is, like, a really small, like, almost, like, child kind of character, so I went with, like, the more, like, slightly taller character design. And again, and like basically, you can, basically, it's mostly just based on like eyes to like try to make it seem like it's more like masculine or feminine or something like that. So like, the, the closest I could to make that character look not like a dude. But yeah. It's like it's still, like they basically just have like a little bit of like a like surprise look on their face all the time, just based on the the, the body type as a result. So it's like, well, you can't change the nose or the mouth for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a Nintendo game. They've never had the best character creators. Yeah, like, I mean, even, like, Splatoon, it's, like, you know, it's still kind of limited because it's mostly just, like, you know, hair and, like, uh, like, hairstyle and, like, pants. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you can also, like, put on different, like, shirts and hats and shoes and stuff as part of the actual, like, gear. But when it comes to, like, character creator, the only thing that really changes is the pants and stuff. <laughs> Besides, yeah. like, like eyes like eye color and stuff like that and hair but i mean like at least also it's it's more of them trying to keep to their trend of trying to get away from gendered stuff even if stuff like pokemon still kind of uses gendered stuff even when they say choose your form and it's like oh, is it really though is it really form if you're still using he or she Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't know. I just I think about the the me maker workshop or whatever it was and what. I... Oh yeah, I mean yeah no the me the meme creator was always bad. <laughs> the me creator existed to make 
goofy facsimiles of yourself or just abject nightmares, which you still see people use in Mario Kart. <laughs> That's what the memes are there for. That's Nobody uses memes for anything else. <laughs> to be fair, even Nintendo doesn't use memes for anything else. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple yeah. things. They were in Smash. There... True. But also, like, I feel like when it comes to memes in Smash, it's mostly just way people can basically be like, look, it's Barack Obama with a sword. <laughs> <laughs> That's really all that I remember from that. <laughs> Pretty oh. sure, actually, like... It, it, no, I'm thinking of Abe Lincoln. It was, like, in, like, the announcement, then they had Mii Fighters and Smash for Wii U and 3DS. It's, like, one of their, like, demos of that besides, like, uh, Reggie and uh, uh, Iwata was, like, <laughs> Abe Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah, this is exactly what they know people are going to use memes for. Because it's, like, beat up historical figures or, like, celebrities. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's Pikmin. It's still. I think it's also just because like it's been ages. Because I think Pikmin two was like two thousand four. Because like Pikmin one, I know released like a, a month after the GameCube, or maybe it was even. I think it was like released a little bit between Luigi's Mansion and Smash, uh, Melee, back then. So it's like it was close enough to those game you launched. So like I think Pikmin two was ever two thousand three or two thousand four, and I just did not touch any Pikmin since. To be fair, there's really only been one game, not if, I mean, nobody counts Hey Pikmin because it was a bad 2D side-scroller on 3DS, and nobody cares about Hey Pikmin. Yeah. So, but yeah, I never played 3, I never played the ports of 1 and 2 on the Wii, nor the, well, they actually just put out the ports on the Switch, basically, just to release them again. So I'm like, yeah, I think I could go for another Pikmin. It's it's cutesy. It's it's immediately a little bit hand-holy, but also it's like, it's a Nintendo game that's not modern Zelda, they kind of have to hold your hand a little bit in terms of being like, oh, you should try not to lose Pikmin anymore. And it's like, I think you might be giving me advice for a franchise that uh, you're forgetting that the main point of this is that you're going to lose a lot of Pikmin, Nintendo. Because <laughs> that kind of just comes with the territory. I mean, if you've been on Twitter in the last couple of days, people have been posting all sorts of uh, gifts of them just getting steamrolled and going from like 100 Pikmin to 30 in an instant, in Pikmin 2 in particular, because again, Pikmin 2 is fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, I mean, yeah, there's a demo up, the game releases in like another three weeks, so yeah, it's worth at least downloading and trying it out. There's, it's a pretty long demo, actually, because like, they basically, after you get through past the little tutorial, it's basically like, yeah, you can keep playing for X amount of days. I, think, I don't know how long the, the day counter goes, but it's like, it basically is like once you reach like fifteen hundred of the the treasure resource, then the the game the demo will end at the end of that day. And it's like I got up to like twenty five hundred just because I managed to get two thousand in day three when <laughs> I was only at five hundred of the fifteen hundred. So I'm like, yeah, I'm actually pretty close to the like next uh, area increase of like four thousand because like when you get to certain points like that, that's when you can explore more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much just like in Hound Pikmin 1, it was like based on like how many ship parts you had of like, now you can go to this other area because we can fly farther. Cause it, it's been a little bit goofy since because it's just like, well, we got like X amount of treasure pieces here, so I guess we'll just fuck off to the other place instead. And it's basically Pikmin 4 seems to be just that again of just like, yeah, we, get, we got all the treasure here, time to move on. <laughs> Fucking burn <laughs> this place to the ground, move on to the next place. <laughs> And, of course, the treasure is still as goofy as it's been. Like, one of the first things is that you find a Game Boy Advance SP. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, uh, sorry to these, like, uh, giant humans who might be playing this, but I'm going to rip this out for the shiny shit to make my radar work. 
Well, you gotta, though. <laughs> exactly. Like, if we, we landed on this planet, and we gotta do this to get off this planet and find the people who fell off of the ship, because... A friend of mine showed me just today that there's, like, some fucking insane fan theory about Pikmin as a whole. And it's like, uh, where is it? I'm trying to find this whole thing that he mentioned. Uh, do, yeah, he, there's something called the Pikmin Umibozu theory. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a Japanese thing where it's, like, basically it's, like, a, uh, it's, like, this Japanese folklore about, like, the, like, underwater, like, like, uh, Freaking like drowned monsters on that who attack like ships to steal their treasure and people are like thinking that it's like there's a theory that it's like there's like space versions of those more or less that keep attacking ships and causing shipwrecks because a lot of these games actually do point out in like secret endings that's like since like the first one where like uh Omar's ship gets stranded because he gets hit with a meteor like basically all the other ones are just like yeah, somehow we got crash-landed on this planet again, and there really wasn't any explanation for why that shit happened. And it's like, oh, who knows? And it's like, so people are like, is, is this theory actually correct? Is there just something about this fucking planet with space ghosts or something that keeps fucking over ships near it and causing people <laughs> to land because they're trying to steal stuff from the ships? Who fucking knows? <laughs> I guess in a bunch of other bullshit where, like, one of the characters from 2 was, like, possessed to do bad shit because, like, they accidentally leave him behind near the end of Pikmin 2, and, like, that's, like, the secondary character who gets replaced by somebody else. And, like, the mission at that point is to find him after you get enough money to escape bankruptcy, basically. And it's, like, he's actively screwing with stuff in Pikmin 2 and later on in 3 where it's, like, he's, like, possessed by the space ghost or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> who knows Pikmin's weird I guess <laughs> but hey don't worry about it just, just just look at the little plant guys and use them to murder everything <laughs> don't worry about the space ghosts <laughs> uh. <sighs> yeah fucking weird lore Nintendo games like it's basically like that was I guess like the progenitor before like they got really fucking weird with lore in Splatoon <laughs> as a whole <laughs> Because Splatoon lore is fucking insane when <laughs> you get down to it. So I understand. Yeah. But yeah. Um, not a whole lot going on on my end, of course. I don't have 20 minutes of Pikmin. Uh, <laughs> I did finally finish up uh, Phoenix Wright 2 after all these years. Uh had plenty of time to do that in the car on the way down. Um, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, started three. Uh, boy, Maya sure does get accused of murder a lot, huh? I wonder if she's murdering people. <laughs> I mean, I've never actually played any of the Phoenix Wright games, so I legitimately can't say one way or another. I mean, I only just barely started the third one, but, like, I don't know. I feel three times, one in each game, Maya has been accused of murdering someone, and Phoenix always manages to pull it out, but I can't help but feel like maybe these series of improbable coincidences are just that, and she's actually <laughs> a serial killer. Mm, you know, you can say. I mean, people who had played those games and beat them ages ago would be the same, but we're not one of those. Yeah, I mean, I only just started three. There's like seven more of these things. <laughs> yeah, because like, then you get into like the... Uh, uh, what's the, uh, Apollo Justice ones, and then you get into, like, the, like, more, like, not, like, ancient Japan, but the older Japan's one, where you have her, like, Sholmes as a well, character. Well, that's in England, so... <laughs> okay, but, like, isn't the guy from, like, isn't the main prosecutor playing, like, a guy from Japan? Who moves to England or something? Yeah, yeah, he's Phoenix's ancestor, but it is an English right, game. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so it's... Yeah, th- yeah, despite the whole, like, eat your hamburgers Apollo meme, it is actually, like, in Japan, it's just, like, well, it's made in, it's in America, it's just made by Japan, so, of course, they don't, they make the food a little bit different at times. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, listen, there's all sorts of weirdness in that, because they did translate the game to Japan, and as the games go on, it, like, it is more and more obvious that they are not in California, despite what the localization says. Yeah, yeah. Again, eat your hamburgers, Apollo, as they're eating sushi. <laughs> Let's go to the perfectly ordinary, uh, traditional Japanese spirit channeling village that California definitely has. <laughs> it's, yeah. Funnily enough, it's uh, it turns out that the break between the Phoenix Wright timeline and ours is actually canonically that they never had the uh, Asian Exclusion Act in the 1800s. So, <laughs> yeah, Interesting. weird stuff. But yeah, um, at any rate, there's the the three Apollo Justice games, and there's the two. Uh, 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 great Ace Attorney games, and then there's the Phoenix Layton crossover, and I think that's all of them. Ex- oh right, I for- I forgot there was a Phoenix and uh, Professor Layton crossover, which makes no sense because like Professor Layton is in like 1800s or whatever. Right? No, <laughs> Professor Layton's modern day. Is it? Yeah, he fights a robot I, I get- in the first game. <laughs> I only ever played the first Professor Layton. I guess he does fight a robot in the first game, yeah. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Uh, but but isn't that like that trailer for like the next one like all steampunky? Is that like maybe a reboot in a diff- of a different Layton or something? Uh, maybe, but it's definitely a modern day series. Or maybe not modern day exactly, but certainly no later than the 1950s. Okay, I, I just looked this up. The official art book, The World of Professor Layton, would reference that the main Professor Layton series may take place roughly around the 1960s, although this has never been confirmed in-game or by the developers themselves. Well, there you go. I was only a decade off. <laughs> when when does Phoenix Wright take place in, then? Uh, unclear. Uh, there's no specific date. But I would guess, like, late 90s-ish. Because there are cell phones, but they're really bad old cell phones. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess Professor Lane would still be around then. He'd just be older. But, like, he doesn't look like... He's not, like, particularly old in those games anyway. Like, he's more, like, maybe late 30s or early 40s or something, I think. I mean, he's an abominable ageless golem, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, isn't that, like, the plot of, like, the third or the fourth one? Because, like, actual literal time travel gets involved or something? Uh-huh. It's like... Like, that's, like, part of, like, his whole thing with his wife and, like, future daughter or something. It's something like that, I think, in that third one. <laughs> Again, I only played the first one. I, I distinctly only remember the whole, like, I have 12 met stick thing because the Ben Arcade comic, but also everybody knows that because that's just what that game is. <laughs> yeah, that first one is very bad. I don't know if the rest of them are that bad, but that first one... <laughs> Yeah, it gets a little bit ridiculous with how many math problems you have to solve. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of ridiculous problems you have to solve, how about we get into our episodes for today? What do you say? I would say in terms of like most of the problems they've dealt with on the Infinity Train, the stuff we deal with in these two are not the most ridiculous scenarios. <laughs> Aside from the fact that one of the people is a turtle and like you're still on a train that is very infinitely long and there's little guys you can rip like your memory out as a tape. 
seemingly just from your head and you'll be perfectly fine and we'll get to that bit because it's gross. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Uh, Yeah, we probably should. It's been 32 minutes. (laughs) (sighs) But yes. um, So my episode for today is book three, episode nine, The Origami Car. That's right. We're finishing book three today. And I'm sure it will be great for everyone and not traumatic whatsoever. Yay! Especially not Grace. Definitely not. She'll be totally fine. Everyone will be fine forever. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yes, um, we open with Grace waking up in the Heihouwo car as a little dude bounces off her head. Because the that, can- that little... That little dude would definitely either give her a concussion or just fully kill her by hitting her in the head. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know what they're made of. They look like they're made out of stone. Like They look like that, but I don't know. It's, again, the train. Weird. But True. Yeah, fair enough. Um, the others are already awake, though, and they have made breakfast in Amelia's magic cooking pan thing, which does not have a fire underneath it this time, so I don't know what the deal is with that thing. <laughs> she, she has to have, like, a little refrigeration of thing of some sort on her to keep those eggs fresh, Now, where is right? she getting all these eggs? <laughs> <laughs> this is, like, the third time she's cooked eggs. <laughs> I... Lady, lady, you have to keep these eggs fresh or they're gonna be nasty. I oh wait, wait, wait I, I get hmm, depend depends actually if she has eggs from America or eggs from out of America because I learned this on um actually eggs outside of America doesn't have to be refrigerated because we because America removes like a film around the outside of the egg which yep. makes them need to be refrigerated. This is true, but also... I know I know one real world fact which is something <laughs> that not many people actually would care about. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I'll tell you, it was a weird adjustment moving back to the States from Germany, where you didn't have to refrigerate your eggs. Yeah, I, I, I refri- the few times I got eggs while I was living in Japan, I still just put them in the fridge just because I was just what I knew to do. And it's like, I only learned this later on, like more recently when I watched them, actually, where it's like, wait, okay, huh, interesting. You, you don't have to refrigerate eggs outside of America because we, we intentionally kind of screw with them. To make them expire faster. <laughs> like, yeah, that's America, all right. <laughs> yep. Anyway, I would just like to propose that since Amelia's cook pan thing is magic anyway, maybe it just spontaneously generates eggs. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be impossible for something on the train to just have do that. <laughs> like, if it's not something, well, I guess it would have been something that one one specifically had made because everything on the train was made by one one basically. Well, I mean, Amelia calls herself an inventor. Maybe she made it. I thought it was more her husband who was the inventor. She says she's an inventor. I'm taking her at her word here. <laughs> yeah, but Amelia lies, like, all the time. <laughs> I don't know. By her own admission, she's a liar. <laughs> and a fraud. I don't know how true that is anymore. She's trying to be better. Um, <laughs> She's trying to be better. Unfortunately, we're never going to see that because we don't get the resolution of her story because the show got fucking canceled before it was done. <laughs> ding, ding. Um, <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so Grace goes over and she starts to like fabricate a story about how surprised they all were to find out that Hazel was a denizen, but... More to the point, because of the way Hazel is, like, glitching with the train, she's a danger to every car she enters. 
And, you know, Grace is responsible for the safety of the Apex, so it's really hard, but that includes Hazel now, so they have to stick together. And, you know, it's as solid as it could possibly be, given the circumstances, but actually Hazel doesn't want to go with her. Because the thing... Yeah, she really yeah. affected that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. This was a hey, mess from the beginning. Yep. But hey, good on you, Grace. You used the word denizen and not the slurry you created. Yay! Maybe <laughs> the slightest little clap here. <laughs> Uh, so, so slight you don't even hear it because that's just like the bare minimum it's it's more to like look make it look like i'm clapping in the audience of other people <laughs> yeah um so yeah the, the hazel does not want to go with her on account of basically everything that they've experienced together but the, what she specifically says is that you're supposed to be the bravest if you want to be a part of apex and if that's true, then they shouldn't be scared of Hazel, because she's just a little girl turtle. So she wants to go with Amelia instead, because Amelia knows about Hazel's past in ways the others don't. And though she is hesitant, Amelia does agree, so long as Hazel takes care of herself, because Amelia has a job to do, and it's not babysitting. Um, <laughs> it's interesting to me the way she sort of frames it, because she's talking a lot about how well, she might be able to learn something from Hazel and how much her job is science and repair and all that, but it seems pretty clear she wants to get this kid away from Simon and Grace. She just can't bring herself to say that she wants to do that. Yeah, like, Amelia has to always seem like the hard-ass, and meanwhile it's like, you could just admit that it's like it's for the best that this six-year-old kid is not around these two teenagers who have done actual murder. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. (laughs) One within the last few days. <laughs> Especially considering that Amelia knows her past, right? And she knows that these kids are like looking up to her and trying to emulate her with the big number thing. So, yeah. given that she is trying to reform now, one would assume that her most prudent course of action would be to kill these kids immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she's trying to be better. <laughs> that is better. <laughs> She's trying to be better by letting them have the chance to be better, I guess. <laughs> I see Which, I, where I'm, you're going hmm. with that, but Nazis. <laughs> yeah, well, hmm, one of them will end up getting better. The other one, uh, hmm, <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> I, I mean, I say, and I say better with the first one. It's like, eh, better in the right direction, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Overall, in the right direction, at least, but has a long way to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So the uh, the scanning pulse arrives, and the two groups separate as the train cars pull apart. Simon stays with Grace and Hazel with Amelia. Hazel bids Grace farewell and good luck as the Heho Wokar rockets to the far end of the train and uh, immediately kills Hazel and Amelia because they are standing outside when it instantly accelerates <laughs> to a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> Again, the train the train has its own bullshit stuff. I'm sure it's fine. It, it anchors <laughs> you in place somehow, so this way you don't go flying off. Because we saw that with Tulip, but although, to be fair, the train was going in the, uh, the opposite direction, like towards the front when first standing outside of it. Yeah. <laughs> but not in the back, but in the front of it. But, you know, close enough. I'm just saying, those gravity boots got invented for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, as we've seen, most people on the train can't use them because most denizens don't really have normal-sized human feet to wear them. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of wonder if maybe Amelia designed them and then threw them out at one point. (laughs) It feels very in character for Simon to find her trash. 
Like, yeah, like, maybe she made them early on, but then she's like, you know, these are fucking dumb. I'm just going to make a fucking sick mech suit. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and then just toss them aside somewhere, and he just found them one day in the years since on the trains. It's like, hey, these are cool. <laughs> <laughs> Like he he comes he comes back with them on the mission that he went solo and he claims yeah I made these I found the parts so I put it together it's definitely mine he, he he's the fucking like you made this I made this meme because <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> let's be real Simon would do that he would take fully take credit for somebody else's creation he would do that um yeah they're moving through the origami car now and uh. Grace is just, she's having a real, real time of it. She cannot stop herself from crying. Uh, they're, she's like crying and moving all at once. It's a mess. But uh, Simon is just kind of in the background, like, glowering. He's doing the Luigi death stare the whole time. <laughs> and, um, he really is. Despite her tears and how upset she is, Grace is now carefully avoiding stepping on denizens, which in this car are cute little paper origami cranes but simon is worse than ever he just is like stomping everyone he comes across and jumping on their houses and all the while talking about how great it is that it's just the two of them again because there's no one here to hold them back um i was gonna add these to the simon kill count but it turns out that i'm not gonna add them to the simon kill count and i'm not gonna elaborate on why so he is stomping people but no kills um <laughs> I mean, we do, to be fair, next episode we do see Grace fix them and they're fine, so... Well, I wasn't going to bring that up because it's your episode. I was just saying that they don't count as kills. Fair. They don't count as kills because of that reason. <laughs> exactly, because they're not dead. They're just folded weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, she just kind of goes off on him, though, because she's shouting that Hazel was their friend and he just, like, threw her away as if she never mattered. But he retorts that he was Grace's friend and zaps her with the mind, with the mind projector, which uh, traps her back in her memory tape. And I don't think he knows that this is dangerous, but also I don't think he cares. Like, the cat did say it would be safe for him since it wasn't his tape, but also I don't know that he would read into that enough to, like, make the connection that it would be dangerous for Grace. Uh, or, to be fair, he does, and he doesn't give a fuck at this point, because he's just being an asshole. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so we find a young Grace at ballet class, which very quickly morphs into a recital where only her parents are, and then her parents aren't there, and then the scene turns into an ice cream shop. It's a lot more surrealist than it was when Tulip did it. Um, yeah, a little bit, yeah. It's, it it, it kind of just jumps around a lot more compared to how like she was kind of a active part in some scenes but also in some cases like seeing her younger self yeah i mean when tulip did it yeah. it was just replaying very specific memories that were just wrong and that's not what this is at all it's kind of a horrible dream sequence of grace's memories all merging and melting into each other it's very strange but uh yeah that's uh in this ice cream shop, young Grace appears, she's alone, and the other ballet girls are already here in the corner laughing about something, but young Grace cannot stand this camaraderie and starts spreading vicious gossip which tears them apart and gets them to yell at each other, because even at ten she could not stand people having fun without her. Um, and then we cut to a bedroom in a truly palatial home, where young Grace is wearing heels, pearls, and a long dress. 
plus a Sunday bonnet. Uh, her mother rages at her because she needs to be presentable as they are hosting Ambassador Morris for dinner, and... To be honest, I don't really know what's not presentable about this. It is, like, classic fancy lady fashion, but apparently it's not good enough. It's uh, probably it's probably just that like she wanted to play around with her mom's makeup and stuff, where she was like, "No, you have to look exactly this way, and you've just ruined it here by doing this." Oh no! Well, I see the, shit the idea there, but Young Grace hasn't put any makeup on yet, so true. Yeah, yeah. it's hmm. I don't know. Her, her parents suck. Yeah, they <laughs> do. This is the we're gonna see. Her parents are just the worst. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a very, um, I want to say almost Dada-esque scene here, as Grace's mom calls for just several names. Uh, she calls for Julie, Molly, Jacob, and Susan. But when she says each name, they're represented by just an empty set of clothes hanging in the air. And th I guess the idea is that these are various faceless nannies that Grace doesn't even remember the faces of, but it's kind of a haunting effect. Um, yeah, I, I read it as like, oh, like, uh, basically just like, the way things have gone is that, like, Grace's parents just did not pay attention to her overall, and so she kind of, like, you know, as we'll see in some of her flashbacks, she kind of lashed out at times to get attention, but they kept blaming on, like, the sitter, more or less, so they just kept firing them, to the point where since it's been long enough, Grace just doesn't remember who any of them were, just because there's been so many of them. Yeah. That's how I interpreted things. Like, I don't know that we have enough information to specifically assume that the parents blamed them for that whatever Grace they're, they're did. Like but... the, they're like the wealthy posh people who are like important enough to host an ambassador. They definitely would always blame a different adult rather than the kid while just ignoring the kid. Well, and just making the yes, worse. but again, we don't see anything about these people except for the fact that they're totally faceless. So True. I think it's a jump to assume that they were blamed for stuff. It's very possible that they just couldn't put up with working in this house. Yeah, I mean, that's true. They could have, like, actually left to their own volition, but it just... It, I think overall, it just kind of does, like, portray a little bit that they've gone through so many of these different, like, sitters and everything that we're supposed to watch over Grace that Grace just doesn't remember what any of them look like at this point, because yeah. there's been so many. And also, to be fair, it's been, like, seven years since she was actually last home. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they never really get into that, where it's like, Grace never actually, like, stops and is like, oh, God, my, my parents haven't seen me in fucking ages. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely think I'm dead. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, regardless, the clothes with no one in them are commanded to take Grace to a movie just to get her out of the house because there is no time to fix the disaster that is her wearing a nice dress and heels. Uh, again, I don't get it. But uh, then we cut to a police station where Grace's parents arrive because the police caught young Grace shoplifting and worse, she convinced the other ballet girls to do the same thing. Uh, her parents are mostly just outraged that their family is being accused, though. And when young Grace tries to confess, they just shut her up. And because, you know, they're rich and fancy and they're going to go yell at the cops for a while until they get off. The, you know, they're rich. They don't need to steal. Why would our kid do that? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, like... We don't hear all the dialogue, but one of the things that her dad specifically says is that we raised her right and like that doesn't matter my man if she's doing a crime she's doing a crime the raising doesn't <laughs> you can't just yeah. yell that at a police officer and get off scot-free <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, they definitely bought that unit a new tank um 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but they'd, yeah. never do, they'd never deal with that rather than having to deal with the bad publicity of, Oh, Grace Monroe was caught shoplifting. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, our Grace kind of comes to the conclusion watching this scene that she just really wanted to be noticed, even if she didn't realize it. But this is when the train presents itself to young Grace, just rolling right through the waiting room of the police station, and unfortunately, due to its metaphysical nature, not obliterating the whole thing. Um, the outside of the train is very different this time. It's all white with gold Baroque decorations. It's very... it's almost all exactly like uh, Grace's parents' house. It's very strange. But when the door opens, it rolls out a red carpet for young Grace as well, and she doesn't think twice before hopping on this train that just appeared in front of her in the police station. Yeah, I guess we've only actually seen the outside of the train in the real world twice before, and it was both times in book one for Tulip and Amelia, yeah. mm -hmm. and like, it looked the same in both those. Sure did. Hmm. Now, I guess it's possible that because it was Tulip observing the train the second time, she saw it as the thing she expected it to see, but I don't know. Like, maybe it's a subjective perception thing and everyone sees it different. Yeah, that, that's what I'd have to imagine, because it's like everybody sees the train as it is in the wasteland, basically, because it's like it never looks different in those cases. Yeah. Because that's the actual train and not like the, like, like the stand-in for it essentially when it enters the real world in that sense to stop because like that's the only time the train actually like really fully stops this thing it is but it's also like the train does just straight up lie to people to try and get them on board remember it told mm -hmm. tulip that it was going to the place she was going so it did yeah <laughs> so i guess maybe in this case the train was like i have to look all nice and fancy yet the train has, like, I gotta put on makeup and use some hair clips <laughs> and this stuff to look, make myself look presentable for this, like, spoiled little rich kid who has been ignored by her parents. <laughs> yeah, it's... I don't know how to feel about that. It feels kind of coercive, but I don't... Mm -hmm. uh, either way. Um, I mean, the train does at least have, like, good intentions overall, because it's trying to just, like, help make people, like, grow as people and be better. It's just that, again, yeah, the, tr the train can be deceptive <laughs> to get people to actually get on. Because it's not like the train is ever just, like, the train isn't just, like, swooping in and, like, having the steward, <laughs> like, grab you and toss you aboard or anything. Yeah. It's always just, like, it just pulls up and it just waits and it's like, hmm, you're going to come on? <laughs> you know you want to. You know you're curious. <laughs> it's like, hmm, I guess I am. And then it's like, uh-oh. Yeah, I, I mean, that's certainly true and it is all free will, but... I feel like the train lying to people to get them on it really dilutes that perceived morality. Mm. Like, if it said, hey, come aboard, I'm just going to kidnap you for seven months and maybe you'll be a better person at the end of it. <laughs> and, you know, like, uh, you know, it, you know, it's like seven months minimum. Uh, maybe you're here for like, you know, um, 12 times that. But, you know, <laughs> who can say? That depends on you, kid. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, a modern-day Simon appears, claiming that the train chose her because it knew that she was, quote, too good for the real world. And I'm pretty sure that this is the first and only time we have heard Simon acknowledge that the train isn't the real world, which I'm not super sure what that says about him, given all of this, but I kind of get the... Because the way he sees it as his, as his domain, as his possession... I kind of get the sense that he sees it as some sort of dream realm that's his to take over. And it's not, really, but 
that's kind of the vibe I get off of this, because normally he doesn't talk about the real world at all, much less say that phrase, you know? Yeah, like, we, we never actually get any sense of, like, what Simon's home life was like before he got on the train, really. Nope. <laughs> Which, considering the trajectory he goes, it's like, oh boy, I guess it was a really bad situation that he fled from, and uh, he just decided to super lean into all that, like, bad shit that he was dealing with before, and just uh, turn him into a piece of, mo a piece of garbage. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? I don't know if that's necessarily true. We don't know what his life was I like at all guess, beforehand. Yeah. I feel like it's entirely possible that he developed this monstrous personality on the train. Yeah, because, like, I mean, when we see him, like, uh, in the next episode, early on when, like, Grace saves him, it's like, his number's not that high. Like, it's, I think it's even, like, double digits or something. Yeah, it's really yeah, not it sure that is. bad. And, yeah, so maybe he didn't have a lot of problems, but, like, just being far away, like, left his own devices, he just started, like, really... Just letting himself go to town and be the worst little selfish shit he could be. <laughs> and just, nobody ever told him, shut the fuck up, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Until, like, two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, either way, Grace, our Grace, has just enough time to ask if he's causing all of this, when the scene changes again, and we see young Grace running through the pumpkin car with the steward chasing her. It's, like, flying around and swoops down and almost smashes her, but at the last second, Amelia arrives in her conductor suit, which is honestly huge. It's at least three times as big as it is in real life, and it's just all covered in this, like, wispy shadow, like a Nazgul. It's really cool. I want one. Um, uh, it, it really reminded me of... Did you ever play Skyward Sword? Uh, nope. Do you at least know like the stupid like uh like big furry like guy who's on like who has like two little feet? He looks like a big egg, a little bit. I was completely unaware that there were furries in Zelda, so no. Uh, well, not furry, but it's like it, basically he's like the they call it the imprisoned. He's basically like this like kind of somewhat cursed form of the final boss, who's like the whole like overall stupid curse that Ganondorf originates from, called demise. So it's like it just yeah. I'll, let me let me find a picture of the imprisoned so I can show you because that's what I thought this looked like a lot. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a really stupid shitty boss. You fight the thing like fucking five or six times in the entire fucking game before you drop a Sky Island on its face to kill mm. it fully. <laughs> it's well, the worst. <laughs> I guess I see where you're coming from with that, but it's not. Like the conductor suit is very obviously an evil machine, even if it's shrouded. You know. Yeah, it it just looked a lot like that to me, just because it's like, like again, like it looks like this big, like, m like giant monster that does that has like the really big. I think it's like the really long face that opens up to have Amelia's hand poke out. That like maybe think of that. I suppose uh, that's fair. Yeah, it is kind of a goofy looking thing. I'll say that. But... Oh, you're you're looking at what the imprisoned look like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's super dumb. Everybody hates that boss. It's the worst part. It's, I was about to say it's the worst part of Skyward Sword, and it's like mm, Skyward Sword has a lot of bad shit in it, actually. <laughs> but it's the, it's the, clearly the, easily the worst boss in Skyward Sword. <laughs> we'll go with that. Uh, really, the worst part of Skyward Sword, at least the original Skyward Sword, is how you were stopped every two fucking steps by your stupid like living sword lady to be like, "Did you know you could look with the camera?" And it's like, "Fuck you! I know I can look with the goddamn camera." <laughs> and also, the original game always reminded you of every single item pickup every time you close out the game and booted it back up. 
thank God they got rid of that in the fucking Switchboard, but it's like, yes, I know that this is a green rupee. I know it's worth one rupee, game. You don't tell me every fucking time. <laughs> There's no use for money in that game anyway. <laughs> well, it's still like, it's still like up fix your shields, because those shields actually also have, like, durability, but it's also, like, not at all hard to never have your shield take any durability damage. There's a little Uncovered Sword that's, like, proto, um, like, Breath of the Wild in a sense. Like, you have a stamina meter, but it's also, like, you only run for, like, two seconds before you're out of stamina. It's like, why did you even put this in here, then? <laughs> it doesn't do anything. It, it's, like, it comes to nothing at all. It's dumb. Bad game. Don't play Skyward Sword. <laughs> I was like, um, like, I started this whole, uh, deviation, because I was like, do you ever play Skyward Sword? And meanwhile, I'm ending it with, don't play Skyward Sword! <laughs> Just don't. <laughs> I'm sure, I guess. I wasn't planning to, but... Good. You don't. know, whatever. <laughs> bad. <laughs> I know there are some people out there who defend Skyward Sword. I'm just going to say it. They're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Easily the worst Zelda game. <laughs> That's fine. Not, not including the CDI games. Those, those, those don't exist. <laughs> okay, yeah, I believe you. Jeez, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <sighs> Yeah. <sighs> um. This has been the Vi complaints about Skyward Sword for three minutes second of the podcast. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> um. But so the the Omega conductor calls off the steward, and uh, the cockpit opens up, and Young Grace just sees one single arm stick out to receive uh, one of those world building orbs from the steward. And she just sees that one arm covered all the way to the shoulder in tattoo. Well, I say tattoos, but it's the number. And here's the voice modulator. And uh, then the thing seals up again and does the big sine wave. But the Simon shows up at this point. Uh, again, like modern Simon. He's just bopping in and out of the memories. And he is just thrilled to see the conductor because he hasn't before. Grace is the only one who knew. Uh, she was the only one who experienced it firsthand. But uh, our Grace knows that this memory is wrong, and when she says that, her memory reasserts itself with the small, like, minivan-sized mech that is way more obviously cobbled together and damaged. Um. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, Simon has met who he thinks is the actual conductor. He's met Amelia. <laughs> Well, yeah, but he doesn't believe Amelia when she says that. He thinks she's lying because she works for one one. True, yeah. He he doesn't fit together the fact that she's in the robot suit, even though she has the voice modulator. <laughs> well, again, it's not... I don't think it's that he hasn't put it together. I think that it's straight up he believes that this is a lie being told to take the train away from him. He refuses to critically analyze evidence and is more content to live in the dream world he constructed, if that tracks. Remember, this is yeah. a season about the 2016 election. <laughs> right. <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> Simon really is an incel, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I straight up call him that multiple times in my notes on episode 10. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, he just straight up insists that this is fake because, you know, he saw that memory before Grace showed up and this is the wrong version. And she starts yelling at him because, you know, our her memories are only real and valuable to him until he doesn't like them. Like, what is up with that? It's certainly not exactly... Well, you get it. Um, <laughs> but 
he also right there admit that you've invaded her privacy to watch her memories, my guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she doesn't even seem to notice that TBH. <laughs> yeah, she she's probably just too angry to really pick up on that fact. <laughs> yeah, but he insists that Grace is lying, just like Amelia did, and just like One One did, and just like the cat did. Everyone is lying to him because he can't be wrong. So this must be a conspiracy. And uh, we cut to another scene where we see a young Simon and Samantha being pursued by a gome. They're in a car. I don't know the name of it, but it's like full of boxes, basically. And she manages to dash between a crack between two stacked boxes. And uh, he can't fit. He's just kind of stuck. So as he's crying for Samantha to come back, young Grace dives in and tackles the gome before leading him out. Uh, Once the door is shut, he cries basically out of the stress of the situation and the panic but also because Samantha left him behind. But, you know, Grace saves him. And she just says that it's scary out there, and, you know, they could stick around with each other and make it easier. He is very impressed with her, and also with her high number, because his isn't anywhere near that high. And she says that it's because she's really good at the train. (laughs) So, two things to point out. Of course, Simon would be the sort of dweeby kid who would wear a sweater over a collared shirt. (laughs) <laughs> uh, second off, apparently that car is just literally called the boxcar. <laughs> Interesting. Th- thanks, uh, Wiki- th- thanks, uh, Infinitrain, uh, for the episode on the origami car, because it shows locations and it lists boxcar. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are a bunch of boxes, and it's a car inside the train, so I guess it tracks. <laughs> it works, but I'm not happy about it. No, um. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a lazy one. Compared to the other uh, uh, bit that they show uh, right after this of them being in what is called the Pufferfish Balloons car. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's exactly what it says on the tin, just like the boxcar, but at least it's more thought went into that name compared to the boxcar. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we get a little bit of a... It's kind of a montage, but it's like two scenes, so I don't know if it really counts. Just shots of Simon and Grace being kids and having fun and doing the train the right way. And then we see them founding the Apex by, like, basically lying to these kids about how the train works and how they're older and they've been here so long and know what's going on and how they'll always stick together and take care of each other. And Simon, future Simon, breaks in. Not future Simon, but present Simon. This is why I hate these tape episodes. Yeah, like you being like, the real Simon, the real Grace. (laughs) Our Simon cuts in to make a jibe about, like, how Grace is always lying to people and how he's grateful that he's not the only one she lied to. And when she tries to say that she didn't lie to him, the scene of Grace telling Hazel that they'll just lie to Simon starts playing on repeat. And then it's, they're not like in the memory, it's on a screen almost. And then it cubes her in with this memory playing on every wall. I have no idea how he's doing this, but he is seriously screwing with the tape here. Um, She apologizes to him as she panics, and she does try to explain and insists that she was just trying to protect Hazel because he would have killed her, but when he appears again, he's like 30 feet tall, and... Because, you see, it's just like... it's, It's not a big deal, but... He liked the way everything was, and then she decided to change things to start lying to him, so... I mean, really, it's all her fault that he invaded her privacy and hurt her, because she made him do it when she betrayed him. Uh, (laughs) Simon is the fucking worst. (laughs) 
Percy <laughs> victim blames everybody but him, but himself for his own problems. But she betrayed him. He had to do this. Yeah, and meanwhile, <laughs> rightfully so, Grace calls him out saying, you would have killed a child, my guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, is it worth it to hurt a person, an 18-year-old kid's feelings if it means making sure a 6-year-old child doesn't get fucking murdered? Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, if the, if there's ever a scenario where you need to choose between calling me a, like a doofus or something to my face or letting a child die, nobody, please call me a doofus to my face. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I don't know what scenario this would be, potentially, but please do so. <laughs> I mean, I'll keep that in mind, but this is not exactly calling someone a doofus to their face. Fair, but that's the closest I can think of an analogy. Like, if there's a scenario where it comes to, like, hurting my feelings or making a child not die, please save the child. <laughs> I'll I'll do my best, but yeah, I mean, I I'm not saying I agree with him here, but I do understand how he got to this point because this is what they've been doing for a decade now. They've been together constantly, it's like seven years on the same page, yeah, and not not a, not a whole decade, but close. Right, but my point here is that like he's never been wrong. They've never disagreed on anything before. And the fact that she is not only lying to him, but going against literally everything they have worked for that entire time, I understand why he is not just feelings hurt, but actively, truly upset. Now, that doesn't excuse the way he acts about it, but, like... Yeah, yeah like, there's... There's, a, there's an understandable, like, how he get from X to Y sort of train of thought, even if it's still fully fucking wrong because again like just because you were never told you were wrong doesn't mean you haven't always been wrong yeah it would be like if we did this show saying a cab the whole time for 10 years and then suddenly i signed up to work for raytheon it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> like it's me where it's like ah oh, fuck i feel bad for having to order more needles off of amazon because it's only one I can consistently get it to me because they can be delivered to it like one of, one of those drop boxes at freaking like a laundromat nearby but it's like i've had so many cases of packages get stolen after like mere minutes after they claim it's been delivered so i'm like what's uh what's the other option here that i got really yeah you gotta do <laughs> what's right like, for you yeah, it's, it's it's the easiest, and also it was a 50 pack, so I don't have to worry about it for basically a year at this point, <laughs> the ones I still have. Because turns out the ones that I ordered uh, are too actually small for human use, so I'm like, okay, hey. um, I guess I got I can use those to still do the extraction of the Valerie, but I need the ones that can actually be uh, large enough for human use. <laughs> it's so fine, like, well, you just uh, gotta go to a vet and get some of that kitty estrogen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of how they combine kitty and estrogen now. Like <laughs> it's one word. Uh, estrogen. There we go. <laughs> I was just going to say neostrogen. Um, okay, that works too. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so as Simon says all these things and yells at her and explains... Not explains exactly, but basically just shouts that she was bad at her. Grace begins to be overtaken by static. It's that same static that was like eating tulip when she was content to let her memories be wrong. But it's clearly a very different context, because that's not what happens to Grace. She's just starting to feel bad about herself because Simon's yelling at her. And then we cut out to the real world, where Simon has hopped out of the memories again. Um, well, 
I say the real world, but it's the train. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Grace is trapped in her own memory, and she can't move or react or anything. And he just kind of knocks her over with a flick of his finger. And we also get a glimpse of his number, which is now dramatically larger. We don't get a sense of how big it is exactly, but it is now, like, circling across his collarbone and up his neck. Which we could not see in the simulation, because he was still wearing the harpoon pack and it was keeping his hoodie closed. But, yeah, he's been... Grace has not been letting him check his number this past week or so, and goodness me, he's been working on it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's probably been looking at it, but just has been too, like, pissed off at everything in the last couple of days to do so. Because it's like, I feel like the, it's not like you need permission from the leader of the Apex to be able to, like, to, like take your shirt off if you well, need to. <laughs> no, but there have been several scenes that we are shown in episodes where he's like, woo, that was great, let's check our number and see how high it got. And then she goes, no, don't do that, we have stuff to do. Uh, oh, right, yeah, yeah. But that's also because that that's less her wanting to keep it hidden from him and more her just wanting to keep the factor numbers going down from him up yeah. until when she told him at the, the French title car that I keep forgetting how to pronounce. <laughs> Sorry, Pixel. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> I like how I had the descriptor for that episode, so I actually had to write it and remember how to say it. And meanwhile, I immediately had it leave my ear immediately, and then it's come up again because that came up at the end of, like, uh, episode... No, it was, uh... It was last episode that we did it, yeah, because Simon yeah, got the yeah. robots. Yeah, because, like, uh... Right, yeah, because that would have been episode 8, yeah, when he got the rope. I mean, he got back and saw the tape, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so when I had, so I had to bring it up again, and I was like, fuck, I forget the pronunciation already. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, defense this time, it, well, actually both times, it was two weeks between each time. Because we had five and six, and then seven and eight, so that was two weeks between when I had to bring up the car, and it's also been two weeks because we skipped last week because yeah. we were both busy. So I have a, I have an excuse. <laughs> I'm sorry to write that. I don't know French. <laughs> I have two excuses. Uh, yeah. Um. So Simon in the real world just sort of flicks Grace to knock her over, and then he smashes the vial of memory bots and leaves Grace lying there, trapped in her memories, as the scene that includes the phrase we just won't tell simon okay repeats like 12 times and yeah, i don't get how it's displaying on the wall here too at the same time that it's playing in our head well i mean that's how the projector works right it's because the projector puts it onto a background and then watching that is what sucks you in but also like there wasn't a wall here when he pointed it at her so yeah so, like, he dragged her to a wall, basically, just for this purpose. Pretty much. Just this way he could also watch it, I guess. I mean, to be fair, he also does have that little protector. He doesn't have a VCR. Yeah. Or, with, yeah, he doesn't have a VHS player, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, that is the end of my last episode of this season. It's grim. Simon yeah. is... I don't know how to talk about Simon. He's so annoying. And I've realized he, he, that annoying is maybe not the right word when talking about Simon specifically, but jeez, yeah, like, he's annoying. He's he's basically on like a different level in terms of being one of the books like antagonists overall. Because like I mean, Amelia was the closest we really had back in book one, but even then, like she's really only there for like two kind of scenes of actually like telling Tulip to get lost, which was like the finale and like two episodes before, which he showed up at the ball car basically. 
But that was also really just because she was trying to just, like, make sure one one didn't get back into the engine rather than actually keeping Tulip away. Like, yeah. she was really just there because she's like, nope, don't interfere. She wasn't, <laughs> like, actively hostile to her, really. And, like, to be fair, the cops were actively hostile because they were shitty cops. But, like, they're kind of just shitty cops. And also, as we saw multiple times, they were terrible <laughs> at being... <laughs> at doing anything related to their jobs because they kept fucking it up. And then they both got killed easily. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, one of them got grilled into a, a, a ground up against a wheel and the other one got lasered by a deer. Yeah. A perfectly normal deer, you know, as you, as you do sometimes. But it's like, yeah, Simon's on just a different level in terms of just being, like, just actively a terrible person in a way because, like... <laughs> Like, it's like, the cops are doing it because that's kind of their job, even if it's, again, they're cops and therefore suck. And, mm-hmm. like, Amelia's doing it for selfish purposes, but, like, Simon's just choosing at every avenue to make the wrong decision all the time. Huh. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like, to be fair, Grace kind of has two, which is why Grace, like, as we'll get into next episode, why Grace kind of loses everything in a sense. But at least she tries to do things better and learn from her mistakes compared to Simon just reveling in the stupidity of his actions and just making things worse all the time. Uh, As as we'll see next episode too. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But for the moment, I think we need to take a break and talk about our Patreon. Yep. And of course, you can always find us at patreon.com slash usweirdoscast where we have all sorts of delights for the discerning listener. First and foremost, you get a 13-week advance on the X-Files, our Animorph podcast. It's, um, listen, it's wild. (laughs) I don't know, I still don't know what I was thinking getting into this book series, (laughs) but, uh, it's been fucking weird. As of when you're hearing this ad, you'll be knee-deep in the Megamorphs book, Mm -hmm. and, uh, ooh, the Megamorphs book. But that's certainly far from the only thing we have available on the Patreon, because every week I do a queer book review and recommendation, usually about a 500-word column about a cool gay book that I read. There's a lot of good stuff in there. (laughs) And I, well, typically will record myself playing with a review game I feel like on my PC, uh, except uh, most recently when I decided to record myself for two hours trying to build a Gundam kit. Hey! Very technical setup <laughs> involving four books and the Kid Icarus 3DS stands. <laughs> nice! Unfortunately, recorded uh, vertically and not horizontally. Apologies. <laughs> it happens. But yeah, uh, of course, the other thing that we do is we give a huge shout out to our patrons every week on the show. So we need to give a truly enormous thank you to Bookcase Queen, Trigger Harpy, and Aurora Borealis. Thanks so much, y'all. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, We literally couldn't. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so it's time to get back to the show because you're in the middle of the finale and you don't want to miss it. (laughs) Later, y'all. But yeah, we should probably continue on with the finale, huh? We probably should. I mean, we don't have to. We could just leave it here, let Simon win. All right, later, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, weird. I guess Infinity Train ends after episode 9. No season 4, <laughs> no finale to the third uh, season. Oh, well. Uh, rip. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, we should finish this. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I haven't watched season 4, but it's very possible it's going to feel like that. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, considering that I do know, again, that it is a prequel season, so it's like it takes place before any of these other ones, so it's like, 
that's gonna be interesting on its own, right? But it's like again, we don't get any continuation of like anything from. To be fair, I mean, like nothing really has continued from season one besides Lake and their story's done. Yeah. So it's like, well, we don't get anything more from Amelia or Hazel because this is like well before that stuff happened, basically. <laughs> I think it's like close to like in the 1940s, I think is when the next one said, rather than modern day, I think I read once. That like, would it, be quite the jump. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much earlier on. But before we get there, we should actually finish this book. <laughs> so... Uh, that brings us into the season finale, episode 10, The New Apex. The, the first episode, uh, I guess the second episode besides The Wasteland not named after a car. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. We basically just continue right off where we left, with the little tiny one ones marching over towards Grace as she lays on the floor, because she's still just stuck in her own memories, being tormented by her own self, basically. Uh, yeah, she is basically just, uh, you know, Still being just harassed by an upset Hazel and a pissed off Simon in there, even though our Simon's moved on. He's still there, <laughs> I guess, just in her memory, still being an asshole. Uh, Hazel blames her for basically trying to control her, like she controls the Apex kids, and also for the death of Tuba. But when Grace kind of rightfully does try to blame Simon for the latter, because he is the one who did that, uh, the memory of Hazel rubs into her face that he's not the one who came up with the idea of wheeling people. Which... I don't remember if we actually ever got confirmation it was Grace's idea. I mean, she is the Apex leader, but I feel like that's not something she just fully came up on her own, just being like, yeah, let's do murder, guys. Yeah, I don't think I believe that it was her, but maybe. <laughs> it's, it's possible, I guess. It was definitely, it was either her or Simon or both of them combined, so, but I, I don't remember. I feel it. like it's possible because, as she'll say in a moment, her greatest fear is disappointing people and letting them down. So if she's trying to be this big bad leader of a group and feels peer pressured into it, she might be the one to say it, but I don't know. Yeah. This feels like a Simon original. Yeah. Maybe they both like were like, oh yeah, they're not people, so we can wield them, right? Right. Okay, yeah, let's do that kind of deal. Like, they both basically like came up with the idea in a sense together in a way. <laughs> Even if one of them is the one who really like brought up the the topic to begin with, maybe they both just share the blame. Yeah. It's probably likely that. It's like, yeah. Like, I mean, considering time was basically her right-hand man in a lot of ways, it's like, yeah, they were pretty much both responsible for this. But, again, it's kind of fair, but also kind of not to blame her. <laughs> <laughs> it's moral, basically. Uh, but Grace basically starts having her little, like, staticky effect on her. That's herself a tulip. Uh, cover most of herself except for her face, as Hazel basically also forces her relive to relive the moment where she acted oblivious to Hazel being a turtle person from back in episode 8, I believe, right? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, the Hey Hobo car one. Uh, but yeah, and she starts to cry as Hazel accuses her of just protecting herself instead of being honest with both her and Simon, which is a little bit interesting that her memory of Hazel would actually have Hazel trying to defend Simon in a sense, considering <laughs> that Simon's a dickhead. <laughs> but again, it's also her perception of stuff rather than Hazel herself, so there's that <laughs> influence. Uh, but basically, like, a kind of like a secondary Grace splits off of her to also grill her about being wrong about everything and being afraid of admitting her faults. <laughs> and her real self does admit that she's basically just been afraid of being wrong, of disappointing others, of just never being enough, and also of being alone, yet basically all she accomplished in all this has made all that come to pass, because she is totally alone and has been wrong and disappointed everybody. <laughs> and failed as a leader. Congratulations! <laughs> Yay! 
Yeah, uh, but as she's saying this, her static starts to fade away as she uh, says that Hazel deserves better than all this, and basically the, like a repeat of the moment when Hazel and Amelia left her plays again as she waves goodbye to them. Mm-hmm. And then she finally manages to snap out of her um, tape to find the little one one still harvesting the tape itself. <laughs> and this is gross, <laughs> because she basically tries to, like... She, kind of somewhat freaks out by basically pulling the rest of the tape out to get them to stop and it basically fully comes out of her head with some goop attached to it that from the trivia that I read is heavily implied to be cerebrospinal fluid which Yay. is gross <laughs> Yay. she doesn't have like an open ruin on her head but it's it still fully comes out like that so it's like that really implies that they harvest the tape directly from a person's brain and it just doesn't well, where else would they damage. get it I, true, but it's like, it doesn't cause any physical harm, which is probably the weirdest and grossest part of this, even though this fluid comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she basically tosses in a little one one's inside and brushes off her hair because it's all gross. Uh, and then she, like, sees the very little origami birds that Simon crushed, and she goes to fix them before she leaves the car to go confront that dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Um, she eventually gets into the mall car and finds it seemingly empty. But she does find Simon's stupid, dumb fanfic like, laundering spinoff book, basically, sitting on the table, which he groans at, because, of course. <laughs> I don't know how this guy got to be the guy that he is. Like, it just does not make sense to me that he got to be this guy while on the train. <laughs> like, in terms of, like, being a fanfic creator, or in terms of being an incel? <laughs> both. Like, the... <laughs> so he writes his novels, and he paints minis, and, like, how... How do you get to the point where you are writing your own novel and making minis of said novel on a train? <laughs> there's... I mean, they're not always doing like raids of different cars. They've got time to kill. Yeah, but there's copies. not like uh, I, I don't know a game shop car that we've seen. They're you can't just literal... they are in a literal mall car. <laughs> yeah, and they burned it but... down. When I when I was a teenager, GameStops used to sell model kits of Gundams. He probably found the equivalent of a GameStop that sold Gundam models. There yeah, that's or whatever, not the same as wargaming. Well, true, but still, I can make at least a little bit of it. Like I can make the one-to-one logistical leap of he found this in like he found like parts of this in the mall car and has been using it to make his own little minis. I can't. There's too many, like, listen, I've only started learning painting in the past year, but there is too much work and too much detail and too much equipment that goes into it. Like, unless he specifically found a mini painting car, there is no way that he would be able to. I mean, if we're going to have this conversation, that gets into the larger issue that we also had a little bit of Foul House of, like, how the fuck are these people actually eating enough to survive in this place? (laughs) Considering there's no source of proper normal food, it seems. And yet nobody ever starves to death from what we've seen. (laughs) Like... More so in Luce's case. She literally couldn't eat most of the food of the Boiling Isles compared to this place where it's like, yeah, like you find like crappy food like at a fucking carnival and it's like, this is not really filling or nutritious at all. And I mean, two I of these people know. have been on the train for more than half their lives at this point, basically. <laughs> like, I, I just feel like if this happens every time you bring that up. Again, Luce was fine when they still had the portal door. <laughs> 
Yeah, but and then they already like I guess they immediately answered that question by then just getting a lot of money so they could afford the stuff she could eat. Yep. <laughs> but it's still a point of contention on the train because it's like the train does really not have a lot of food that people eat. <laughs> we've we've not seen the fucking uh like diner car that just jumps around the train to wherever passengers are to give them like bagels and sandwiches. <laughs> no, we only saw that one Italian food car where everyone was flowers. Yeah, I, I I guess maybe yeah maybe uh Tulip at least had like a pasta dinner there before she left. <laughs> just didn't see. But that's the outlier because most of these cars are just like it's it's a freaking runway ball car. You gotta do RuPaul stuff here. Yeah. There's no food here. <laughs> At any rate, what I will say is that the title of Simon's book is specifically "The Rise of the True King." So yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Like, this seems like this is, like, something that... We'll, we'll get into it a little bit, because there's some theories between episodes 9 and 10 that people came up with, but, like, this kind of feels a little bit like he changed the subtitle or something intentionally to spite Grace, because, like, he clearly put this here for a reason. That would be my assumption, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, clearly there to, like, be make fun of her before they all, like, sp- like spring a trap, basically. <laughs> Because it's just like nobody's around and this book of his is just laying here. <laughs> yeah, the weird part is, to me at least, that like, he didn't know Grace was going to get out of that. If he knew it was dangerous, then he should assume that she died. And if he didn't know it was dangerous, then he had no idea she would be able to break out on her own. So, like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, just had guess... these kids sitting, hiding for how long now? How long have they been? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, we'll get to that in the trivia in terms of how long it might have been. But yeah, like it's just like them being like, Simon, can can we can we stop? No, we have to keep staying like this in your hidey holes because we don't know for sure if she might come here today. Guys, just deal with it. Tough it out. <laughs> eat, eat your fucking like um, eight month old popcorn that we stole from the carnival car or lucky cat car. <laughs> Back then. I, I, I don't think it's been eight months since then, but we also don't know how much time passed between books two and three. Yeah. Or between episodes nine and ten. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the point here is that uh, basically the one-eyed girl Lucy that we heard about way back in book two, who basically put her eye out with one of the harpoon uh, gun things, uh, threatens her for broom and calls her a void. So we just get more slurs from the Apex Hooray. <laughs> That's what they're good at. Uh, that's all they're good at, apparently, besides also murder. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Grace asks her what's going on and what a void is, but Lucy just says Simon told them what happened as another kid spins... I don't know what these things are called. They're like the little, like, party noisemaker things. They're like the little, like, toy that you can spin around that's on, like, a stick that makes a little, like, clattery noise. I have no idea what these things are called. I just recognize what they are. Uh, I've always just heard them called noisemakers, so... I, get, I think that's what they are called, yeah. They're just, they're, they're, like, the most annoying stupid party favors, basically. They suck. <laughs> But he's just running past, like, spinning one of those things to get the attention of Simon and the others to let them know that, you know, Grace is here. Uh, a bunch of kids circle around Grace as Simon's basically carried down in that dumb throne thing that Grace once had in way back in book, in episode one. And for some reason, he looks a bit older here, or maybe he just finally can do something with his hair for a change. Well, literally, the only thing he did was let his hair down. I mean, he changed his shirt. <laughs> Yeah, he changed his shirt, and he draped, like, a captain's coat over his shoulders, and he let his hair down, but that's it. And honestly, I don't know if he even changed his shirt. He just took the hoodie off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, to be fair, we've only ever seen him wearing the hoodie, basically, since he was introduced back in book two, so... 
That hoodie's pretty freaking ripe by this point. Ha. <laughs> Like, I feel like it was like he got back and, like, some of the other kids were trying to basically be like, Simon, you gotta take out the hoodie. He's like, no, and then they uh, jumped him and took it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like this was a deliberate choice. It, it turns out he's kind of jacked, so this is extremely uh, anime villain look. And this is, again, yeah. what I'm talking about with I don't understand how he became this person, because I don't think there's an anime car as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there's no fucking hyperbolic time chamber car where he could train for a uh, a year at his time, but it's only a day passes in the in the train time. <laughs> well, even that, like his design here is so stylized. It's so much the JRPG villain, you know. It it like yeah. There's no way in canon he as a character did that without that influence, and I don't understand where he as a character would get that influence. Yeah, like, unless it's, like, something he saw in a TV show or whatever, that he's, like, had, like, like he kind of has, like, a little bit of, like, a, like, a space pirate kind of captain look to him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's, honestly, it's very Captain Harlock. <laughs> yeah, it, it's mostly with the fact that, like, the jacket, he doesn't, like, put his arm through the, the sleeves, it mostly just hangs on his shoulders, in a sense. Because, like, he kind of is only wearing, like, a white t-shirt besides that jacket over him kind of deal, so it's, like, Not it kind of does shirt. Uh, that's yeah, pure tank top baby yeah like it, it really reads a lot like he's like yeah I'm, I'm the fucking space captain of this ship <laughs> fuck everybody <laughs> I guess how I want and I sit on my fucking throne slash pilot chair or whatever yeah <laughs> or helmsman chair I guess at whatever the fucking captain's chair would be <laughs> yeah like it, it definitely does read a lot like he like saw this in like a TV show when he was a kid or whatever or played a game where somebody would look like this and he was like I, I want that do that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like I say, extreme Captain Harlock energy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen Captain Harlock. I, gee, I want to say this is, like, the inspiration for the design that the character has back in, like, Steven Universe Season 5, I think. <laughs> that could be. I, I, gotta, I gotta find it out later on, I gotta see. I, I feel like that design is so similar to a certain character I'm thinking of that I don't want to say the name of because it'd be spoilers if we ever actually want to cover Steven Universe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fairly old, so I'm not surprised you haven't heard of it, but... Yeah. Also, there's a lot of, like, anime inspirations in Steven Universe. I mean, he straight up has a GameCube. Yeah. Adapted <laughs> as an anime GameCube. TV series in 1978. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, just like uh, you know, a little bit before I was born, <laughs> by a decade, you know. There was a CGI version in 2013, but it's much worse. I have to imagine that's most CGI adaptations slash reboots or something are. <laughs> oh boy. Oh wait, is this like also the inspiration for why um freaking uh the antagonist guy from Cowboy Bebop has a big like vulture on his shoulder all the time? Is that um, also a reference to Captain Harlock? Maybe. I don't know when Cowboy Bebop happens. Uh, Cowboy Bebop, I think, was in... Fuck, when did, when did Cowboy Bebop air? I need to see now. Because, <laughs> like, I forget the kind of bird in particular. I remember seeing, like, a YouTube video uh, about, like... 1998. Being... Yeah, I remember there being, like, uh, some significance to the bird that he has in particular... Freaking, uh, I'm even drawing a blank on the fucking guy's name. It's some stupid extra name. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Oh, Vicious, right. The guy's fucking name is Vicious, <laughs> right? Wonderful. That's got the best SEO, I'm sure. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I'm typing vicious cowboy bebop bird. Oh, it's a black cormorant, right. <laughs> that, that, I, I think it's just because that bird in the, the CGI version of Harlock you're showing me is basically has like a shaved neck. I can't tell what kind of bird it's supposed to be. But it kind of mm. looks like it could be a cormorant. Or a cormorant, cor cor not cormorant. That's a Pokemon. Fuck. I mean, it looks like it could be that too. Let's be real. I mean, Cramorant is a Cormorant. That's the that's the inspiration for the name. So yeah, but yeah, I'd, I'd have to look at this. But yeah, like I know there's like some like uh thing like the significance of it being a black Cormorant that Vicious has is like significant to the story of Cowboy Bebop in a sense in terms of themes. But this really looks like that's also the inspiration for where Vicious's bird comes from. <laughs> but yeah. But I guess we have a little bit more to cover. We should probably stop talking about <laughs> Captain Harlock. <laughs> I guess we can stop talking about the coolest space pirate that ever or, was. Or Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a great show. Uh, yeah, basically... Da -da -da. Uh, Simon's number basically reaches his neck at this point, which is more than we even saw based on when we last saw him. And he says that Grace betrayed them all, which is visible by her having wiped off her sine wave face paints. Because he thinks that that's like, the only way that you could basically still prove you're loyal, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, Grace tries to tell the kids that what they've been doing has been wrong entirely. And she tries to like basically pull rank a little bit, being like, as the leader, I share the blame. But Simon just interrupts saying that he's a leader now, and basically just because he's the biggest dickhead on campus now, I guess. And when she tries to retort with him after having left her for dead, he just brings up how her load number speaks louder than her own words. Because again, like, because, I mean, it wasn't like full, I don't remember if it's like been fully stated, but that's the only reason why Grace was the leader, just because her number was the largest. Even uh, though yeah, I she feel... pulled that rank a few times. Yeah. Even though I feel like also, like, just with how much of a shit Simon's been, like, for a long time now, he probably would get an easily a higher number than her entirely. <laughs> <laughs> just, just over time. Didn't even need the events of Book 3 to happen, it would just happen eventually, just because he's an asshole. <laughs> so yeah, but in any case, uh, he calls her a void again, so Grace demands to know what that is, and the kids all chant, like, the cult that they are, that a void is a leader no longer fit to lead, and that a void is a danger to them all. So yeah, totally equal and normal behavior here. <laughs> Simon asks the kids what they do with voids, and for their credit, the kids actually don't respond. Because I feel like they don't want to have to do that, but he also basically... I think they don't know. He just brought this term yeah, to them guess, like twenty guess, minutes ago. Yeah, I guess there could be that that they actually don't know entirely. But like I kind of read it as like, oh, they do seem like they has they look around at each other. So it's like I guess it could be interpreted as either they don't know or they don't want to say. Well, I think it's like, both, right? Because like he didn't tell them what they were gonna do, but they all know what they do to things they don't like yeah, and they don't want. True. To. <laughs> Yeah, like, they're, they're all like, oh, God, we actually know where this is going and we don't want an answer, even if he didn't tell us at the time what the answer was. Oh, jeez. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he he basically does it himself by saying that voids get wheeled, because everything gets wheeled. <laughs> that annoys Simon. <laughs> uh, and he demands that the kids do so, and, you know, immediately going back on their hesitation, they do actually go and grab Grace. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yeah. it's like, oh, cool. Cool, thanks, kids. You had, like, a second of solidarity with your former leader and friend here, and you immediately are like, well, Simon will wheel us, I guess, if we don't do so. So I guess we gotta do a murder. These kids are so murder-happy. I mean, yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, I mean, they, I mean, they were trying to just basically uh, screw around with Helen Dracula and, like, also tried to attack MT the moment, or, uh, like, the moment that they showed up and told them, don't treat an animal that way, that's fucked. <laughs> 
I mean, again, and uh, Lake still definitely did kill one of those kids. A <laughs> <laughs> kid definitely did. <laughs> so I mean, maybe they're like, well, we gotta get, we gotta get some payback at the person who betrayed us. So we can't do it against them, so we can get it against Grace. <laughs> But they all leave the car, and Grace interrupts her own execution by saying that Simon didn't tell them the truth about how they met Amelia. Well, she phrases it as initially as the conductor, even though she's like, it's, yeah, it's just some fucking woman named Amelia. She's fake. <laughs> and heard from her that she's the true false conductor, and that she, Amelia actually does just not give a fuck about any of them. <laughs> like, she hasn't been actively going after them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see what she's trying to do here, but Grace is really not giving herself any points in their eyes. I mean, they already are don't believe her because of the things Simon has said. Right. And then, like, her immediate, well, did he tell you he, we met the conductor? Actually, the conductor is a lie. You're all wrong. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you got to give him something, Grace. You can't just tear it all away immediately. Right now, you are fighting for your life. <laughs> Yeah, but also she's fighting against her, for her life against a bunch of nine-year-olds and also Simon. Like, Simon's the only one who's really a threat, is the thing. Yeah, but she's losing can... to the nine-year-olds. They're about to throw her off the train. I, I mean, also fair. Nine-year-olds are way stronger than they look. <laughs> I mean, just uh, the, the, coming back to the times when, like, I was an English teacher and, like, having, like, a little five-year-old hug me around the waist and it's like, I am I am stuck here. This is how I die. <laughs> so this child, let's go. I'm just here on the this spot. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. I just like I see. She could, she, the she, did, she could take kids if she had to. Yeah, she, <laughs> she doesn't could. want to hit the kids, but she could if she if her life was really on the line. She just isn't like about to be thrown off. She's just kind of close to the edge. <laughs> she is about to be thrown off. The only move she has here, if she does not talk them out of this, is throwing these kids off the edge. <laughs> Self defense. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I don't trying to think kill her. the train accepts that. <laughs> yeah, but well, the train like—I mean, as we see, the train doesn't like it when a human kills another human, or at least seemingly kills a human, or at least tries to. <laughs> so it's like I feel like the train would be more lenient on you were forced to do this in self-defense as opposed to this was just a spur of the moment murder. <laughs> I don't know. We need we need to sit down with the Infinity Train and be like, so what's your morals like, my guy? <laughs> Please, please, dish everything we need to know, because we have a lot of questions on how you operate. <laughs> Regardless of the morality, the point that I'm trying to make is that Grace could talk herself out of this situation, and she very well almost does, except every time she says something that would be convincing, she immediately undercuts it. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like she doesn't understand the mentality that she has built into these kids over the past seven years, and I don't... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, she's literally had an entire worldview collapse in the span of, like, a few days, basically, ever since she met Amelia. <laughs> yeah, but she should know that they're all still in it, right? Like, she knows how much it took for her to go through to get out of it. She shouldn't just expect people to go, oh, well, she said something different now. True, but she's also expecting, because she's basically the adult here, that the kids will listen to her without having to explain shit in detail or give them time to process it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's again, she's, she's also kind of just clearly panicking in a sense because it's like, well, I'm really outnumbered here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But in any case, like, basically, she does, like, uh... Simon does basically tells the kid not to listen to her, but they kind of do hesitate just enough that she just easily breaks out of their grasp and, like, backs up onto the walkway. 
So, also again, because they're like 9 and she's 18 and they're easily distracted, so she's able to just easily get away from them once they turn away from focusing on her. <laughs> but it did Simon just with Arsh walking towards her on the walkway between the cars. And Grace tries to appeal to him by saying that she just tried to keep Hazel safe. Again, totally fair, because he would murder her, because he's a dick. <laughs> and that, basically she says that she's made a lot of mistakes, but that one wasn't a mistake. That was doing the right thing, which, yes, it was. <laughs> Even if it meant that Simon's feelings got hurt too fucking bad, sucking up, you baby. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, she still does say that they can all still change. They were basically trying to get him to, like, stand down. But Simon, in true incel fashion, just says that he never has to change because he's always right. Because, uh, this guy is the worst. So, he basically tosses his jacket at her to try to give himself a cheap opening to try to hit her while she's distracted, but he's, he's still sucks and misses because he's Simon. <laughs> like, even if he looks like considerably more jacked than when we last saw him, he's still Simon, and he's still just an idiot and <laughs> just doesn't actually get that opportunity easily, even then he did everything possible, like throwing a jacket in your face. Well, I do want to say, you keep saying that he's suddenly jacked, and I don't think that's necessarily strictly true. I, th- I think it's just because we didn't see like a lot of what like he looked like without his hoodie on, so his hoodie yeah, might have just been We didn't see him without his hoodie at all. He he was this jacked the whole time, we just didn't see it. Fair. He still sucks, though. <laughs> well, yeah, no, he, absolutely. Yeah, he, even even being like clearly more swole than Grace even looks like, he, he still fucking sucks when it, tries to, it comes to actually trying to fight somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Like, again, he had the upper hand by throwing his jacket in her face, and he still managed to miss. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, the FX kids all run off inside the ball car as Simon tries to attack Grace and still fails. Uh, he basically only manages to accomplish damaging one of his gravity boots by kicking the railing repeatedly uh, while trying to actually hit her with his foot. Mm-hmm. So, good job. I guess these boots really are shit. This is probably actually why Amelia tossed them aside, because it's like, all oh, these things have no integrity to them whatsoever. They suck. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah. But this does, however, cause the railing to actually, like, retract down to the sides, like it does whenever the railing splits off to let a car move on the train. Uh, so this basically ends up with Grace hanging off the side for a moment, because she was kind of leaning up against the railing when this happens. And when she pulls herself up, uh, Simon basically gets a moment to kinda sorta pin her down, but he's really just standing over her. He's not, like, pinning her with, like, a foot or, like, a knee or something down to the ground. He's just standing over her. At which point I'm just being like, just just knee him in the junk race. He's giving you such an easy opening again, because he sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's positioned right over her that it would be so easy for her to just kick him right in the nuts. (laughs) Like, just do it. (laughs) But, yeah, she doesn't. And he screams at her that she's a poison to the group, and that he won't let her take away everything that is theirs, because, of course, he's he's the worst. But all she can say at this point is that she understands that he's in a lot of pain, because the guy just does not practice self-care at all. And he, of course, just calls his hollow apology, because Simon never will actually accept anybody's, uh, (laughs) you know... Not not excuses, but like basically like any sort of defense they might have for themselves of like, yeah, no, I get what you're going through, my guy, but he's like, oh, yeah, sure you do. But this causes her to finally lose her temper of her by saying that she's not responsible for his problems and doesn't know him anything, because, yeah, she really doesn't. He he has to take the first step in getting help for himself, and also, she's the one who saves him, not the other way around, so it's like, it's really a case of like, you need to take the first step to heal yourself, my guy. You can't just depend on everybody else to fix everything for you. <laughs> but deal. no, he's right and they're wrong. Why would he need uh, to fix himself? 
because Simon's fully fucking busted. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I, 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 I'm saying this like a little bit goofy in a sense. It, it, it is entirely tragic. It is like this guy has made all these problems for himself because he's not willing to actually like step aside and be like, maybe I've been the one that's like, he's fucking, he's the Skinner meme of like, oh no, clearly it's the children who are the ones who are wrong, not me. <laughs> like, that, that's him entirely. That's been him sit for ages on the train now ever since he bought into this mentality of like the train exists for our uh purposes for us to have fun Not, nobody on here matters we're the only people <laughs> and it's like you, you can't treat people like that my guy because they might be like a weird clock guy or whatever or a big tuba monkey they're still people <laughs> yeah but if he's wrong now then he was wrong all along and that means he was a bad guy and that's not acceptable so yeah but but that's the truth of the matter. He has been the, he has been a bad guy. Grace has been a bad guy too. <laughs> but you can't be a bad guy. That's not how it works. He, that's what every abusive parent also thinks about the fact that they've actually been abusive towards their kids and don't want to accept that they've been the problem. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Do you get the metaphor though? <laughs> yes, I do. Very much so. I've been in that position a little bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, not to get into my own crap myself uh but yeah in any case uh yeah duh, 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 where do we leave off uh yeah simon again in true incel fashion demands that she owes him everything that's why she does him and again my guy knows she saved your ass not, not the other way around <laughs> but before you can stop on her uh gome flies in uh because hey remember gomes so simon basically like tries to like crash down to sneakily activate his boots before it takes notice of them and it rushes over to them when I guess it hears the noise of Simon's boots activating. It, it kind of just, I, or maybe it's just him look over. It's, it's kind of hard to tell, but it, it notices them and it rushes over. So Grace basically grabs onto the railing to hang off of it on the side to get away from it. While Simon, his animation here is strange because he fully looks like he just jumps off the side of the train, but he appears upside down on the back on the walkway underneath it hanging from his boots <laughs> but his animation may, really looks like he just jumps off the train to his death in a sense <laughs> but yeah I guess, I guess he like grabs onto the railing and we don't see it or something from like a different part to flip himself upside down or whatever but yeah he, he doesn't just jump off the train and kill himself <laughs> but yeah uh, he does take this opportunity to walk over to Grace and basically try to like grab her legs to try to pull her off the railing as the gome walks over and starts sucking at like uh, the life force out of her hands so, Grace eventually lets go with one hand to just full-on fucking punch Simon in the foot <laughs> in, like, the undamaged <laughs> boot to rip it off of him to then toss out the gome to knock it off the walkway. Just once again, improving that Grace is just better at everything than Simon. Because <laughs> she, she easily disables him and the gome just immediately that way. <laughs> it's kind of impressive how she just, like, takes them both out, like, in the same go, just by punching Simon in the fucking foot. <laughs> Uh, she pulls herself back up onto the railing, or the, the catwalk, rather, as Simon's remaining damaged boot starts to fail, because, remember, the one he still has is one that he broke by kicking into the railing trying to kill Grace. <laughs> but before he falls, she grabs onto his leg to pull him up from this way he doesn't get wheeled, and puts him back onto the catwalk when two of them are just, like, laying on the ground, panting as the kids all cheer, because the kids decided this could be in time to show back up. <laughs> They they disappear for the entire fight. They show up when everything's all good. <laughs> but yeah, he asks her why she did that, to which she actually says she doesn't really know why. <laughs> I mean, it's clear that she doesn't want him to die, at the least, even if their friendship's ruined. But 
Her lack of having a proper answer just sets Simon off even more, because of Simon, to the point where he just fully, like, leans over sideways and kicks her off the walkway, seemingly to her death. And it's like, Jesus Christ, my guy, can you ever take an L? <laughs> Apparently no. Well, that's... Like, it's not even that it's an L here, it's just sheerly because the only acceptable answer to him in this moment is that she saved him because she likes him. And she doesn't, so it's over. Like, she's already the enemy, but she might have redeemed herself here. And when she says she didn't, then you still have to kill her. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of read it like that, too. Of like, it's like she doesn't actually have a proper answer because, again, like, she herself just legit doesn't know because he has full, like, their friendship has fully ended, but she also doesn't want him dead. (laughs) But it. Yeah, it's complicated, but it's like she doesn't really have an answer in the moment, so he kicks her. <laughs> <laughs> the kids are scared and surprised at this as Simon alternates between laughing maniacally and crying over what he did as his number just fully covers his face now because he's just fully lost it. But hey, Grace is okay because turns out the little origami birds that she helped apparently just followed her and caught her midfall. <laughs> so and they're super fine. strong. <laughs> they, these are very strong birds, yeah. Concerned that they easily got crushed by being stepped on, but they... To be fair, they didn't fully die when they got stepped on. They just got, they got deflated a little bit. So I guess these birds are really stronger than they look. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a flock of them that just fly her back up onto the, uh, back near the kids. Uh, but while distracted by this, Simon, I, I wrote attached. No, he's attacked by the gome because, hey, remember the gomes also fly too. <laughs> they fly now. And it just pins, <laughs> in, it, <laughs> and it pins into the floor and just, Sucks all the life out of him immediately, way faster than we've ever seen the Gom do so. I guess they were just short on time. And we're just treated to his body and skeleton turning to ashes, so good fucking riddance <laughs> to Simon. He's yeah. Dead. Yeah. yeah. They sure it's, do love their brutal murders in this series. Yeah, it's 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 kind of not as brutal as when uh, we saw freaking Mace get shredded by the wheel. I but disagree. Also, I feel... That was at least partly off screen. This one, we just see him melt down like Raiders. Fair. Yeah, fair. We do actually, they do cut away before, like, Mace fully, like, gets disintegrated and stuff. But, like, he's still getting ground up against the wheel and, like, his, like, metal goop blood stuff is kind of going all over the place during that. <laughs> like, obviously, you can't really show that happen to uh, a human even if they are a teenager and therefore technically, well, actually, I guess he's technically an adult because he's 18, but it's like, you really can't show that. But they still definitely show this kid get Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. It's <laughs> really gross. Yeah. I mean, yeah, his skin disappears, his skeleton is just turns to ash, and he's just fucking gone. Oh, his skin doesn't disappear. It full-on melts. Yeah, yeah, I get Yeah, I, I, I think actually I do have it, the phrase that's like a melting in one of the trophy everything's this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but then conveniently the gome explodes, because I guess gomes exist just to get one soul suck in their lives before they just blow the fuck up. <laughs> I, convenient, I guess, but also, to be fair, we had never seen what happens with a gome when they kill somebody, so I guess it's like, well, they get one in them before they're like, ah, my purpose has been completed, I get to leave now. <laughs> It's it's yeah, just fully like just poofs. <laughs> it's very strange. Like I I don't know what the point of them is if Yeah, the the guns always are kinda just like I kinda read them like back in season one as being just like a like contrivance of like why Tulip has to stay on the train because outside the train is way worse kind of deal. Cause like they bar- they they showed up only a little bit in the rest of book one, like, you know, when Atticus gets got and turns into a gome and it's like 
we don't get that implication that like anyone who dies gets turned into a goon because like clearly Simon doesn't because he's just toast. <laughs> but like they only showed up in book two briefly again just to like be a nuisance to Blake and Mason, Alan, Dracula. More than anything, besides where we'd be a proper big threat and all, and then it's like, yeah, we saw them like a little bit more in this one because of the like illusions of like uh, Simon's history with the cat and all, and obviously here, but it's like they they always kind of seem like they were like something that they didn't necessarily need in the story. I don't know, it's it's strange. <laughs> And I guess we're never going to get a elaboration on what gomes really are because, again, the show only has one more season after this and uh, it got cancelled yeah. when they still had half the show left <laughs> in the movie. Thanks, it's HBO. Very, like, the only thing that I can really say is because they must come from the train because the wasteland is part of the train. It's inside the train. The train is inside yeah. itself. We all remember that. So the gomes have to be specifically a part of the train. I don't understand what purpose they serve, because, like, that's straight up just a murder machine. That's... Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's not even like if it was just, again, a deterrent to make sure people stayed on the train, because, again, if it gets a hold of you, they do just fucking kill you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the the train is designed to teach people lessons to grow as people, so they can go back into the real world and be better than they used to be when they left. But the Gomes kind of just stand in, like, the antithesis of that of, like, well, if they get you, uh, too bad. You're dead. <laughs> you don't yeah. get to grow as a person if you just get got. <laughs> as Simon demonstrates. <laughs> but also, the whole, you get to kill one person and then you're self-destructing is really Yeah, doofy. yeah, again, yeah, it's like, if if Gomes do come from, like, uh, like, a denizen's death or something like that, and generally they just spawn from that, it's like the fact that they're like, well... I guess I get another chance at life, but I have an, undes- uh, an uncontrollable desire to kill, and if I kill one person, then I also die again. Kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad they're being like, God, why did I get fucking killed by that fucking dumbass and get brought back as this that not wants to kill somebody, and if I kill somebody as this, then I die again. This is the worst. <laughs> but yeah, in any case, again, the gum explodes, convenient, whatever. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Gums are poison strange. <laughs> In any case, uh, Grace cries over Simon's ashes as the kid's comforter, and they all return to the mall car a bit later, so Grace can finally actually address them about the truth that they've been running from. And she tells the kids they're all on the train for different reasons, and that overall it's really not fair for her to tell them how they're all supposed to act, since she doesn't even really understand herself, so how can she tell other people how to be? But at a minimum, they basically just have to stop being the apex in order to figure things out, and they can do something better and be something better. And basically the kids all start to like discuss this with each other, but yeah, basically it seems like her words kind of get through them a little bit because not only does her number, but also that of the kids all start to lower a bit as they actually start to question everything they thought they knew <laughs> for once. <laughs> and Grace just sends her book by smiling on the little origami bird that lands on her shoulder, but we don't get full confirmation if she ever gets off the train. Presumably she does, because I think her number is close to like around 300 or so at this point, so I believe it's possible. her final number is 501, so... Oh, okay, yeah, so it's a little bit higher than I thought, but it's like, yeah, obviously she still, still had a manageable, lot of stuff to process. Yeah. yeah, more so than it was at the start of the book. I mean, she was in, what, the Quintillions, and now she's down to 500? Like, come on. Yeah, she, her number was absurdly high when she began the book. She and can knock like, that out on a weekend. Uh, maybe not as fast, because, like, she, she definitely seemed like she had to process a lot of stuff, but, it's like, <laughs> again, like, she, she still has a lot of baggage that she has to really process in order to, like, 
fully get her exit. Like she's she's made a lot of progress just in like the couple of weeks of knowing Hazel and Tuba, and not having to deal with Simon's shit anymore, I guess. But it's like, yeah, they they still have a long way to go. But and again, unfortunately, we never get to see the result of that possibly because the show's been canceled. Thanks HBO. <laughs> Yay HBO. Yay. Well, I mean, I guess that's not just HBO doing that. That's every fucking service at this point killing off shit. <laughs> Yay corporatist Yay. bureaucracy of fascism. Yay, capitalism! Yay, canceling shows while they're still airing. Yep. yep. Yay, making uh-huh. a show and putting it on your service for two days before purging it. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yeah. Yay, that's, releasing that's the Flash three. instead of mm-hmm. Batgirl. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, the least, I'm, I'm still pissed that Batgirl got that treatment, but... Good God, does it at least feel good to see that the Flash fucking flops so bad. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's like, it's like a race of the bond between uh, Flash and Morbius of which ones makes less, and it's like, God, I hope the Ezra Miller movie does way worse than Morbius. Morbius, <laughs> I feel like people at least agreed was goofy, <laughs> even if it was not good, compared to the Flash just being dog shit entirely. <laughs> Regrettably, yeah. I think the Flash has outdone Morbius but uh, I don't think it's going to be by a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's probably mostly just on, like, brand recognition, because people know who the Flash is compared to, like, Morbius. <laughs> yeah, but also it's... Uh... <sighs> like, we we know who Morbius is, but that's because we make jokes about Morbius a lot in our early Adelon game. <laughs> I mean, I've known who Morbius was for decades, come on. Oh, okay, but... fair. You've also you've also played uh, Midnight Sun, so that actually has Morbius. I, I'm not as a comic person, I've heard more about Morbius from our Adelon game than actually anything about the movie Morbius. <laughs> Morbius is, like, the iconic Spider-Man villain. He's... And I don't right, mean yeah, that, yeah, like, right. he's not more so than Dr. Octopus, but... Or Venom. <laughs> well, Venom came later, but, okay. um... The thing is, is that... But in... people know Venom. <laughs> Venom Morbius... has name recognition. <laughs> yeah. Morbius, specifically, is the bad guy for Spider-Man 100. Like, he's a special oh, anniversary gotcha. guy. So, yeah, it... it... When you're going through a that he he is a big deal back in the day, and obviously he falls off really fast. But yeah, I mean, I mean, there's so many like characters like that that were a big deal at the time that had just been fully fucking forgotten. I mean, it's like I still remember back when like they released Marvel vs. Capcom three, and everybody's like, "Who the fuck is Rocket Raccoon?" And meanwhile, these days, it's like you ask any kid who Rocket Raccoon is, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I love Rocket Raccoon." Because people know who Rocket Raccoon is now, because he's been in fucking movies. <laughs> yeah, by contrast, who knows who Rocket Racer is other than me? <laughs> <laughs> hmm, let's see. Rocket Racer. Uh, Rocket Racer. Uh, apparently two fictional characters appearing in Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man 172 in September 1977 as a supervillain. <laughs> He returned in 182 to 183 in the battle against the Big Wheel. I don't know who the fuck the Big Wheel is. The Big Wheel is my favorite Spider-Man villain. He's not the most important, but I love him so much. (laughs) And I gotta see who the Big Wheel is, because the Big Wheel does not have a Wikipedia article. (laughs) No, he's not important enough to have a Wikipedia article. He he is a dude in the Big Wheel. This makes sense. (laughs) Yep, Mm mm-hmm. He I sure like does name, have I a like big wheel. I like that his name is 
I like his name is Jackson Wheel. W E E L E. Alright. Still. Okay. He made a death wheel. He made a death wheel. He did. It has arms. I don't know how that works because it's a wheel. I guess they attach to the inside. Like the center. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, they're like on the outside of the spokes. But it looks like the fucking uh, car that. Uh, no, that's that's Nate Stevenson. Uh, I don't. It, it kind of reminds me of the fucking stupid like wheel with arms that uh, uh, Grievous drives in episode three. <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah. <laughs> so, so that it doesn't need to like use wheels uh, like arms to get a running start before it becomes wheel. <laughs> it's just like it's just a wheel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's just book three. Uh, I don't, we don't have questions. I just checked Twitter, so I think we have race takes, huh? We surely do. And yeah, they're, they're interesting. I'll give them that. Freakster knows how to ask them. Are, are you going down just like the list or are you just pulling at random? I'm just going down the list chronologically. Okay. Gotcha. Cause I haven't looked at this myself at all, so mm-hmm. yeah, don't know. Oh, yeah. apparently there's... Oh, wait, hang on. Breaking news. There's a new concept art for an early version of Enchanting Ground Fright. Oh-ho. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it's huh. It, it's way different. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that, actually. Hmm, yeah. I don't think Luz should be in a gown. No, it, it doesn't really work on her, really. Like, Luz has always been the kind of person that's been more like tuxedos and stuff, as we saw in the actual Grom episode, where she has that with, like, the little, like, uh, skirt kind of look. <laughs> I mean, she she's a bad boy. She has to wear like more like uh, masculine, gender bendy kind of stuff. Yeah. But yes. So our freaks takes for today. Uh, we're doing three because we don't have any questions uh, for the future. If you have questions, you can send them to us at usweirdoscast on Twitter or uh, usweirdoscast at gmail dot com, or of course usweirdoscast on co-host, which I think. Neither of us have used for a while, so if you're sending your questions, I like, Sarah, I sorry. I logged back in. I logged in. I oh, posted, did you? I posted. I posted a toast on the, the po- on the podcast hey. account to be like, I I figured out the shit. I'm I'm gonna post here. Hey, we toasted. <laughs> we did okay. a wicked toast, like we said we would, like what half a year ago. <laughs> the prophecy has been fulfilled. Um, uh, your our first question is: planning a trip soon? Yeah, not not really. Yeah, no, I just finished that. Yeah, you just finished that, literally. (laughs) You drove back to Texas over the course of days. Nah, still still trying to find a job. You kind of need to have an income in order to actually do trips and stuff. I mean, I guess I will be having a trip whenever I get a job, because it's like, where am I going? Who knows? (laughs) You're you're going to work every day. That's your trip, every day. Every work day, at least. Yeah. yeah, no. Yeah, not we're, a lot we're, to do we're, we're unemployed millennials. The answer is obviously no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really, I could I could leave off the unemployed. We're millennials, so the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, that's like there was a while there that I was taking a trip every year, but then okay, I fair. stopped having a job because I was, you know, going to school and. Yeah, I mean, in my case, it's also just a case of like my mom literally just visited, so it's like, well. Uh, my friends live a little bit too far away for me to really visit them feasibly anyway so there you go <laughs> uh, okay our second question for today is can you remember the tallest man you've ever seen <laughs> yeah he's one of my friends that I speak to every week <laughs> in my D&D group 
it is a, it is a point of contention where the few times that this friend in particular, who I'm not gonna name just for his sake, uh, has been in my car, he has actively been like, your Camry is so fucking small, Vi, and it's like, I think that's just because you haven't been in a car in ages because you live in a city and you don't need a car. <laughs> but also, yes, I understand Camrys are kind of a lower car, but it's like it's always been a case of him been, being scrunched up in my car in the past. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, I don't, I'd have to ask him how tall he actually is. He's at least, I think, a foot taller than me, so he's at least like 6'5 or 6'6. Six, six. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not a man, but my partner is 6'6, six, six, and it's like, dang. <laughs> Yeah, because I think you're slightly shorter than me, right? Because I'm 5'5". Five five. I am somewhere between 5'3 and 6, and no one has been definitive about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so weird how that's also the case, because like, for so long doctors tell me 5'4", and then it's like... When was it? It was, uh... I think it was when I was getting... I think it was something related to my breast augmentation surgery. No, it, no, it was when I was at my endo back in... December when I first switched over to her around in Planned Parenthood when like they took my like metrics and stuff during that before I spoke to her and they're like oh you're 5'5 five, five. I'm like I went to tell 5'4 but sure I'll take the next inch <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's just weird that it's like nobody can be consistent with that stuff I mean I guess it's also a case of like nobody can be consistent with like pant sizes because like when my mom was here we bought me three pairs of pants One's a size 6, one's a size 8, one's a size 10. They all fit the fucking same. And they're all made by the same company, too. So it's like, what the fuck? Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're not even, like, different kinds of pants. They're all, like, like slim fit kind of pant, kind of sort. Of. And it's like, they're not, like, drastically different kinds of pants. They're made by some company. What the fuck is the deal? <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm, like, like that, that's, like, like, a while ago when I was, like, at me being, like, oh, wait, what's my waist size fit, fit in, like, pants or underwear? I'm, like... Who fucking knows? It's a kind of a fucking shit show all the time. You gotta go with, with your gut instinct at times and hope you're right, I guess. Because <laughs> nobody fucking has anything that's actually consistent. <laughs> again, again with bras. A 34C in one brand might fit you, and then it's like, well, I need a 38B in the other to make it fit, because their 34C is too weird and small for some reason. It's fucking dumb. <laughs> I take this from experience. I have some that are 38Bs and some that are 34Cs, and they fit the same to me. And it's like, I don't know the difference why this is so different with different cup and uh, band sizes, but they just seem like they're the same. <laughs> yes. But, um, yeah, that's the tallest man we've ever seen. Um, <laughs> Our third and final question, and I, I'm going to do my best to replicate his cadence on this because it is a little strange. Um, do you love to go a wandering beneath the clear blue sky? <laughs> this is when I point out I have actually I don't know who Freaks is <laughs> for these takes. Uh, I mean it's definitely more interesting than like overcast stuff. So yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I generally don't go a wandering. Is the thing. <laughs> Like, I might walk I mean, somewhere, but only if I know where I'm going. I, I guess fair, yeah. I wasn't thinking the wandering part to it. <laughs> yeah, like, usually you want, like, usually if you're going somewhere, you have a destination in mind, rather than just being like, I'm just gonna walk in this direction and see what happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know some hikers do stuff like that, but that ain't me. I would prefer yeah, that, that to be also, inside. That also sounds like that can be dangerous if you're just gonna be like, I'm gonna go this way on, and not go on the trail, and it's like, maybe you should take a trail. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, generally, for yeah. a reason. <laughs> you do want that yeah. most of the time, yes. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, those are our questions for today, so... uh, I like how the freak stakes are like a situation of I have the perfect answer, or I'm like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> it's ne- these... There's never middle ground. <laughs> these are extremely, like... <laughs> they're so entertaining. Them... Yeah. <laughs> At the least, they're entertaining. Because, of course, these are from the show um, Unsolved Mysteries. And he's, oh, that's like, where they're from? Yep. He's introducing oh, okay. segments as, like, these are his rhetorical questions that get you thinking about the mood or whatever. So, like, I haven't watched most of the show, but I almost mm-hmm. guarantee the Can You Remember the Tallest Man one. That's almost certainly opening a segment about Robert Wadlow, so... Ah, uh, I gotcha. Okay, I didn't realize that the they're. Show I didn't. Is. I didn't realize that they're like a hypothetical question that he presents to you, and then like basically answers it himself in like the context of the show. Yeah, pretty much. Gotcha. Okay. Like he doesn't necessarily answer the question, so to speak, but you usually get to the answer he wants by the thing he's presenting. Gotcha. Okay. Or like mm-hmm. there have been that a couple sense. that we had that just had no context whatsoever, but that's because he's in a specific set that's designed yeah. in a specific way. Like I'm curious about the context of his freak take of do you have a pet? And it's like is it just him like talking like the, about dogs for like 20 minutes or something? I don't know what he's introing, but I'm pretty sure he's got an animal with him on that one. I, I have to imagine. Yeah, it's like uh oh for what was the name of it? It was like I think it was like an Animal Planet segment that was like on like Saturday or Sunday mornings. Where it was like some animal expert guy like talking to people about different animals as like in terms of like being pets and stuff. Yeah. Fucking don't remember. I, I, I definitely remember remember distinctly it was not Steve Irwin, but it was like some guy that kind of had the same vibe as Steve Irwin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I'm thinking of stuff from like 20 years ago, back when people actually watched Animal Planet for the most part. <laughs> you know, back when Steve Irwin was still alive, when people actually cared about Animal Planet because of Steve Irwin. <laughs> And and stuff like uh, AFV's the most extreme. <laughs> if you remember the most extreme, that was the shit. <laughs> it was cheesy as fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah. In any case, we should probably get the trivia, huh? Because there's actually a sizable amount for this. <laughs> uh, sounds perfect. All right. Uh, I was surprised because I was like, oh, there's obviously not going to be like voice actors for the finale. No, turns out there's some that are pretty fucking important that we need to get to. Ah. I'll leave. I'll leave the big one for the last, but I'll cover the more minor ones first. Uh, Grace's mom is just voiced by her, Grace's own voice actress Kirby Howell Baptiste, but it's interesting to note that she uses her native English accent while playing her mom instead of the like more like kind of fictitious American accent that she adopted for Grace to make them still sound distinct. Yeah, so, I, I didn't want to bring that up, but it is weird that Grace's mom is British and she's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, maybe she just immigrated or something, or maybe Grace lives in the UK. Who can say? We we don't fully know. Well, I, I don't, yeah, because her dad is we? also British when we hear him talking, so she lost looking, the accent while they were on the train, I guess. I'm looking this up. Uh, I'm looking at Grace real quick. <laughs> Because uh, I want to see if it says, like, her hometown. Because, like, obviously we know where Jesse and Tulip are from. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, the residence just says the Monroe Mansion formally. Um, That's not very see. helpful. <laughs> no, it really isn't. <laughs> but I guess, I, I guess maybe they just never said where she actually is from in the real world. Uh... Because 
Yeah, uh, early life, hang on. Uh, da -da. I think this is really just the, con the context that we saw back in episode 9. It's like really just, yeah, it's just really like going over that stuff and like clarifying some stuff. Also, they, they misspelled Gome in her early life. They write it as G-O-H-M. Wonderful. But, it, but it's Love a hyperlink, it. so if you go over it, even the little pop-up that your mouse shows says Gomes with the right spelling, and the, the link in the huh. bottom left of my monitor here is saying Gomes, G-H-A-O-M-S. So it's <laughs> like, I, you gotta fix up your fucking uh, fandom uh, wiki here, guys. Yeah, no, it doesn't say. So it's like, she might be from America, she might be from the UK, who can say? I guess I kind of read it like she might be from the UK, because, like, her parents look way more posh and everything and like again they're like hosting an ambassador and the train looks more posh when it shows up for her to board it so it's like i guess i just interpreted that as like maybe she's not from america well, that, that certainly makes sense i just like my concern really is not even a concern it's just mm -hmm. that it is weird that her parents both have that accent but she doesn't that's not usually how yeah, that works like like I guess I could interpret it as maybe she started intentionally trying to not have a British accent just to spike them and get attention, and her time on the train around a bunch of people from America, because I think Simon's from America, and maybe it just eventually became her default accent. That could be. Uh, the, let, me, let me see real quick. I want to see Simon real quick, as much as I hate to look him up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to see if it says where he's from. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. uh let's see, resonance, small car, ultimately, original resonance unknown. Yay. Thanks. <laughs> so we don't. <laughs> he definitely reads like he's American though, at least in my mind. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean he's he's fully fucking selfish and a shit, so him being from America makes total sense in my head. <laughs> Alright, uh, aside from that, uh, we'll cover two of the little uh, kids who are members of the Apex because their voice actors are actually a little bit well-known. Uh, Lucy is voiced by Jenna Davis, who, she's kind of had a little bit more minor bit parts, but her big thing is that she voiced Megan in Megan oh. and 3G again. I, I think that, it's pronounced Megan, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure? Yeah, that's Megan. Okay, I was just making sure, because that's like her big like uh, claim to fame, basically, besides... You know, really anything. Like, I was about <laughs> to say, besides voicing Lucy, it's like she voices a minor character in one episode for, like, two lines. Uh, Todd, who is another kid, who... I don't remember who Todd is. I saw the picture, and I don't recognize this kid, but apparently he's one of the kids, I think, who, like, grabs Grace. Yeah. But he's voiced by Antonio Raul, uh, Raul Corbo, who played Oscar in Summer Camp Island. He's the voice of young Spongebob in the Spongebob movie, Sponge on the Run. Huh. That's mostly the reason why I put him on here, because it's like, oh, I recognize that movie. And he's also, uh, Nikolai, I think is how you pronounce it. It's spelled with a J at the end, but so I think that's, I still think that's Nikolai. Uh, he's Nikolai Bo- hmm? I, I have heard the name Nikolaj, yes. Okay, it might be Nikolaj. Uh, Nikolaj Boyle in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yes, if it's Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it is 100% Nikolaj. Okay. Because that's I where I heard Bro that name from. <laughs> oh, gotcha, yeah, because I've never actually seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine myself. But yeah, he's Nikolaj on, Nikolaj, Nikolaj on there. Have you pronounce it? <laughs> But yeah, that's why I put them both on here, because I at least recognize Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Megan. And also, yeah. <laughs> also, it wasn't until today I learned Spongebob has a capital B. I thought Spongebob was a lowercase b. <laughs> no, Bob is his name. But it's no, like he's a... Spongebob. Yeah, Spongebob. Spongebob. But, but it's not like there's a space in his name. It's all one word. It's just a B's capitalized. It's, it's like someone from the South who's called Lisa Marie. That's their name. They're both capitals. It's just... 
the name. Yeah, but isn't there usually a space in like a case like Lisa Marie? Sometimes. Sometimes there's a hyphen, sometimes not. I guess. <laughs> Look, just me personally, I didn't realize the, B, the first B in SpongeBob was capitalized. That's just me. <laughs> I found it out when I looked it up today. <laughs> but the big fucking one is Grace's dad. Because they got Keith Ferguson to voice Keith, Grace's dad. Also, her mom and dad don't have names. <laughs> They're just always addressed as Mr. Monroe or Mrs. Monroe or whatever. He's a lot, so there's a lot of shit we gotta get through with him. I he mean, is the yeah. voice. Yeah, he is the voice of Lightning McQueen, but just in deleted scenes from the first Cars movie, Cars Tune, and a bunch of Cars video games. I found that very interesting. That it's like his origin, the way that he started voicing Lightning McQueen was just in deleted scenes for the first movie, and then they just decided to get him back all the time because <laughs> they couldn't get Lightning's actual main, uh, voice actor, whose name is escaping me at this moment in time, for the other stuff. The stupid spin offs I guess. Uh, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Yeah. Wait, is it? No. <laughs> okay. But he's also the voice of Han Solo in the Lego movie, Mad, Robot Chicken, and like a bunch of other little bits where like Han Solo has just appeared. It was very <laughs> weird. <laughs> but they just keep, just like with Lightning McQueen, they just keep getting this other guy who kind of sounds like the main voice actor just for little side stuff because they can't be bothered to pay that much for any other guys, I guess. Well, yeah, uh, but also, do you really think Harrison Ford would be really willing no. to? <laughs> no, no, he would not. That guy is so fucking tired. <laughs> So much. That guy just wants to be left alone, and meanwhile they keep dragging him in for more movies, and he's like, please stop. <laughs> well, I don't think it's even that, because he really seems to enjoy Indiana Jones. He just hates Star Wars. <laughs> uh, fair, yeah, it's really bad, yeah. <laughs> he just hates being in Star Wars. But also, there's like a bit where he's like the new Captain America movie, and he kind of seems like he's just also fed up with that shit, too. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. But he's also the voice of Baxter Stockman and Two-Face in Batman vs. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is also not a thing I knew existed. Oh, I knew yeah. There's obviously, I knew there's obviously the comic of, like, Batman being like, this is where my parents died, Raphael. I like, because everybody knows that. I didn't realize there was actually a movie of Batman vs. Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good crossover comic, and then they turned it into a less good but still very good movie. Huh, uh, there you the go. thing I will grant it is that while I did not like the story adaptions they made for the movie, it is, quite honestly, the best animated choreography for fight scenes I have ever seen. Huh. Well, there you go. Uh, again, something I didn't know existed. <laughs> but we have a lot more. He's also blue in Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. He's also like other side characters, but he's mostly blue in that. He I mean, replaced... that's the big one. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, he's like two, one of the main characters in that. <laughs> Uh, he replaced Neil Patrick Harris as the voices of many side characters like Prince Gumball, Rips Lumpy, and Dr. Donut on Adventure Time. There was like a 12 characters, I couldn't list them all. <laughs> I was going based on the characters I feel like I remember from the, the like, five-ish seasons of Adventure Time I watched. Mm -hmm. uh, he's also deputy in Durland on Gravity Falls. He's Chet in Star vs. The Force of Evil. He's Flintheart, Glomgold, Megavolt, and Liquidator in 2017's DuckTales. <laughs> Which I didn't realize that's him. <laughs> and it's like, oh, right, Flintart. Uh, he's various members of the Hasselback family, and also Bailey's dad in Amphibia, specifically the episode from season two, The Battle of Hapadaya Planter. Mm -hmm. That's where those characters are in. Yeah. That's why they're listed there. He is also Bold Boy and Lightbulb in the Cuphead show that I also super forgot exists, because I feel like that <laughs> show released and nobody talked about the Cuphead show. <laughs> And this is when we get to the fucking crazy video game stuff that he's in. That was just TV and movies. Now we get to the really fucking crazy shit. What, you're not going to credit him for Lord Hater? I mean, come on. I don't know who Lord Hater is. I read that name. I know secretly when I was looking this up, and I don't remember who that is already. Uh, it's like one of the main characters of Wander Over Yonder. 
Like okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, I did see the credit for Wonder Over Yonder, but I was also I think I was thinking getting confused over the Garden Hedge for some reason in terms of like no no review notes. But yeah, he's also that. Okay, there you <laughs> go. But in terms of video games, he was Bash von Ronsenberg of Dalmasca in Final Fantasy Twelve. I always remember that guy's name exactly as from Dalmasca because you know, yeah that bit where Von has to go around saying that he's Captain Bash von Ronsenberg of Dalmasca to try to make people think that he's not dead. <laughs> I guess it's a big thing that people thought he died like in the prequel in the, the prologue or whatever. He's Marluxia in the Kingdom Hearts series as of Re-Chain of Memories, because obviously there was no voice actor that he would have showed up in in the original Chain of Memories, because it was a GBA game. And I guess they just used, like, archival footage or whatever from some <laughs> other guy in, like, uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, I guess, when he's, like, an optional fight in, like, the Final Mix version. But ever since Re-Chain of Memories, the PS2 port of the GBA game, he's been Marluxia's voice actor for all of Kingdom Hearts since then. <laughs> he's Lord Saladin in Destiny 1 and 2, which I think is, like, the crucible guy who keeps saying to keep your light fierce or whatever he's like a vendor <laughs> or something i think for the multiplayer or the, the pvp he's also reaper in overwatch one and two he's whoever the fuck dave auburn Bree is in final fantasy 15 i just saw he had another credit from a final fantasy so i tossed it in there yeah no idea he, yeah i don't know i never got that far in 15 because i didn't like 15 and he's also fred and i believe the pronunciation is fighting in them's fighting herds the name is the name is written as F H T I N G, or no 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 I it's like literally fighting the word fighting with no eyes in it so it's huh. F H T N G so I think that would be pronounced fighting that sounds like yeah, that's I like the so. boss of the story mode or something to me just in terms <laughs> of there being a character called fighting and them's fighting herds, but yeah that's a fucking lot. <laughs> it <laughs> There's is. a lot of credits for that guy. It is. <laughs> and they yeah. got him to and they got him to do like two lines <laughs> for a character that has no name. <laughs> I'm honestly a little surprised you didn't credit him as additional voices in the L House. That seems super relevant to our Shut show. up. <laughs> Shut up, no. <laughs> I should definitely avoid anything that's just additional credits or, like, character in one episode, because, like, that's not a recurring character. Yeah. And, and the fact that I brought up, like, the one episode of Amphibia is still kind of a lot, but it's like, well, Amphibia is at least, like, tied to our show as a whole, because it is a Disney show, and it's, like, kind of the sister show of Owl House, but it's, like, that was still a lot. Like, compared to, like, saying he's Flintark Longgold, he shows up in a lot of episodes of DuckTales. And I have to assume the reason you didn't name him as the Witch King of Angmar is because you didn't want me to start talking about Lord of the Rings again. No, I actually somehow missed that credit. <laughs> now, that isn't in the movies. That's in one specific video game, but still. Okay, I, I skipped over, like, a lot of, like... Like, aside from, like, stuff like that was interesting, like, Lightning McQueen in the deleted scenes that then caught him to, like, voice him and different stuff, I basically skipped, skipped over, like, he's the voice of this character in this video game adaptation. Like, he's the voice of Manny in, like, some shitty Madagascar games. And it's like, I'm not going to bring that up. Because yeah, who cares? <laughs> yeah, who cares that he voices the fucking mammoth from Ice Age <laughs> in the video game only? <laughs> I think it's, like, the last note cares? I have about this guy is that I think it's very funny. Apparently... So I don't know how familiar you are with this in the parks, but in, at Disney World or whatever, they have meet and greet characters that you can uh -huh. meet from cars, which are yeah. basically just like actual cars that they roll out onto the streets. And he did yeah, the I was voice for say, that. Unless it's the unless it's the person in like a horrifying like horizontal costume, which I guess would be two or three people in it, that'd be terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, they're 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 real actual legit cars and. I don't know if they have drivers in, because, of course, they have their eyes, so you can't see if there's a windshield there. Yeah. But they have a bunch of, like, pre-recorded voice lines or whatever so that they can interact with you. 
And I think it is very funny that they did not use Owen Wilson for the <laughs> Disney World meet and greets. You would think for Disney World, you would want the real uh, deal. Did, but... did they also get Keith Ferguson to voice him in the meet and greets? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yep. <laughs> okay, so so there's four Cars things I should list there. He's in the latest scenes from the first Cars movie, <laughs> cartoons, Cars video games, and the Disney meet and greet. <laughs> That's my new yep. <laughs> That's that's very funny. You would think that they would at least get like archival. Yeah, they would at least get archival stuff, right? Because like that's what they do with like the animatronic Potato Head in mm-hmm. uh, for Toy Story Media. It's like it's like it's. I'm pretty sure that Don Rickles, right, who voices Potato Head. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, it's like they got him to do voice lines and stuff. Because obviously there's a lot of other stuff because there's no Toy Story Mania game in those movies. So it's like he's recording stuff and talking about that. But I'm pretty sure it's that same guy. <laughs> It certainly Same. sounds like him. If it's not him, they got a good impersonator. Yeah, they, they got somebody pretty close, at least. But it's like I would imagine they would at least do something like that with just using archive voice of Owen Bullet, uh, yeah, Wilson, whatever Wilson for Lightning. But no, apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. There's still a lot more here. Uh, I skipped over them because they don't have actual voice actors associated with them. But two of the Apex kids, Alex and Lindsay, who again I don't remember hearing those names at all, but they're just named after Alex Harab and Lindsay Katai, just writers mm-hmm. on the show. Uh, the memory of Grace promising Hazel to not tell Simon about her is framed differently than the scene actually was. It's like just kind of like, I think it's like kind of partly the context of it and also like the angle is just a little bit different. You know, it's like that stuff we bring up of like, how does Luce have like photos of the convenient camera angle of her looking at the teleportation glyph when she didn't have that view. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> kind of deal. Uh, yeah. Uh, there was a cut scene, apparently, in Grace's memories where she and Simon had a terrible, awkward middle school kiss where Grace laughed in his face and Simon tried to pretend like it didn't just blow his mind. But it's never been elaborated if it was just cut for story reasons or for time, but thank God, because nobody should feel bad for Simon ever. Hey, well, mm. <laughs> I with don't... the cat stuff, yes, but no other time really. <laughs> like, yeah. The, the, yeah, the cat at least you know legitimately feels bad about what she did, but still. Yeah, um, no, I guess yeah. I just mean like that's not why I wouldn't want this scene. I this scene would only lend more to Simon's possessiveness, and I don't. Yeah, want that. yeah, there is that too. Yeah, maybe that was why they got rid of it. <laughs> Uh, but there are t- two points where Grace mentioned that Simon wears, uh, wore socks with sandals, but she had said that he wore black socks compared to the flashback, which shows him white, but that's just an error. <laughs> that's really nothing to worry about. Or he just does that. <laughs> or, or yeah, he could have also just continued doing that over time, and that's just when she first met him. He was wearing white socks. Who knows? <laughs> He's that kind of kid, though. He would, wear, he, he would do that. <laughs> Uh, Owen Dennis gave the storyboard artist a note saying just fucking kill him in relation to Simon, suggesting that it's definitely occurred off screen at one point. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, on the trivia it said just effing or like bleeped out kill him, but it's like, you know what he's talking about. He's saying just fucking kill him. Because <laughs> <laughs> even the show creators know that guy sucks. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then, uh, Simon, air quotes, melting resembles a similar scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was also referenced in the Corgi car. I definitely don't remember an Indiana Jones reference in the Corgi car, but maybe we'll have to look at that again real quick to see. Yeah, maybe someday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and similar to, I remember way back when we did trivia for episodes one and two, how I mentioned there was a kid who was dressed like Rufio from Hook in the background, <laughs> uh, in the, uh, and, Near the end of the finale, there's also another kid who's dressed to resemble Thud Butt from the same film. Yeah, this was I did one not know I actually that... noticed. 
I didn't. I knew the, that there was a character called Rufio because I remembered the whole Rufio thing that people say. I didn't, never knew there was a kid called Thudbutt in Hook <laughs> until I re- looked up that. Yeah. And I was like, well, that kid got the short end of the stick in terms of his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he surely did. Yep. But. Yep. Uh, yeah. There's just there's some little parallels between episodes one and ten that are interesting to note. I guess like aside from like the Iron Throne thing that both of them sat in, obviously. There's the fact that like Simon saves Grace in both from a falling off a bridge in both those episodes, which you know has very different context between she was saving him because they were friends compared to she was saving him because she didn't literally didn't want him to die. Yeah. <laughs> and the opening of the season plus near the end of the season both have Grace descending an escalator and it's the same escalator both times. The only difference is that Simon descends with her at the same time in the opening compared to the end. <laughs> so. Just neat little parallels of like, yeah, some of the stuff just repeated, but way different context. Uh, this is also jumping ahead a little bit to next book's opening, but I don't have like full context or anything for it. But there's apparently something that one one says there, and with this ending's episode, or uh, this episode's ending rather, that we see people who basically refuse to learn their lesson while on the train, or ultimately just fated to die either from old age, as Amelia probably will, or from their own neglect, as Simon did. So I guess there's something we hear from, like, maybe, like, when they're doing, like, the pod tapes or whatever in the opening of next season that one was like, yeah, ever, ever learn or die, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But that sounds like something one would say, like, yeah, if you don't fucking learn, you fucking die. Deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And this gets us into the, like, the uh, illusions that we made of, like, time stuff, because this is pretty funny. Uh, the fan theory from when the finale aired was that there was a slight time skip between when Simon left Grace on the floor and when she got free of her tape due to Simon's slight different appearance. Although others speculate that he just got a change of clothes and left his hair down, as we discussed. The crew have jokingly inputted on this by stating a variety of bullshit answers of stuff like an amount of time, probably about four or five, maybe twelve-fifths past nine, with a question mark, (laughs) Also, somewhere between 12 and 4 on the Mother Cow Index. That one's from Owen Dennis. Thanks, Owen. <laughs> and, but basically, this all came, kept going until they definitely said that Grace was in her tape for 15. So who knows? If they even do. <laughs> <laughs> they don't specify any unit of time, just 15. <laughs> so who knows? It could have been 15 minutes, could have been 15 hours, 15 days, who Years. fucking knows? Years. But also, uh, Simon doesn't look 15 years older. And also, Neither does Lucy. No, I, and also I guess her, like, her Grace's body would have been in stasis effectively for 15 years, I guess, so she wouldn't just starve to death inside her own tape, I don't know. But there's some amount of time, again, could be like even just 15 seconds, who fucking knows. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the crew being their goofy selves and not answering that kind of stuff, because they're like, it's not in the show, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, right. But we have... We do have to unfortunately give Simon two awards, though, because he's not only the first known human passenger to die before getting his exit, but he's also the first to die from a gome that we know of. Hey. So congrats, post posthumous awards for the idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's it. That's all I really got. <laughs> well, all right. Yep. That's yeah, it's, it's a bunch. It's, yeah, it's been an interesting time in this book, because like, I remember bringing it up a lot back when you told me that Grace was the main character of this book when we first introduced her. It's like, oh, hmm, that could go interesting or real sucky if she's just the shit the entire time. <laughs> and it's like, hey, at least, at least she like 
you know, she obviously takes a while to get better, but it's like, even from, like, the, near the start when she first meets Hazel, she's immediately starting to cool down a little bit and be better. Yeah, yeah, but, for sure. Yeah, it's it's just like, yeah, well, it's like, well, what if she sucks the entire time? Well, I got my answer there because we had another guy who sucks the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> and he's toast. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I don't have a whole lot else to say about this one. It's weird. Like, we normally have a pretty solid um, rundown of the end of the season, and we've just talked about so much with this. I don't think I have that. We've we've made it pretty clear how we feel about all this. Yeah, like, I mean, from almost the start of book three, we've pretty much made our thoughts on the characters abundantly clear, I feel. Like, Grace at least improved a lot over the course of the season, but Simon's been a shit the entire time, and he stayed a shit till the end. And I guess the only yeah. real question I have is, do you feel like this succeeds as a metaphor for QAnon? Because I'm pretty sure that's what it's supposed to be. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it is straight up the whole, like, oh, I'm clearly right, and I can't ever be wrong, and if I'm wrong, then that means I've been wrong for about a lot of stuff, and therefore I'm clearly not wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that that's QAnon in a nutshell, ain't it? Yeah, like it's, yeah, it's always it really a case is. of like, I, it's always a case of I can't possibly be wrong. It's everybody else who is wrong. Again, this the fucking Skinner meme. <laughs> the children who are wrong, not me. <sighs> See it? Uh, it's it's definitely been like uh, one of the darker uh, seasons we've done on the show at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, like we've no. we've we've covered some pretty heavy stuff in the past. I mean, like again, we had that like really like illusion of like Luce really sounds like she's a little bit suicidal here in that first special in terms of not wanting to actually have ever been born, basically. But like, yeah, I mean, we we've gotten a lot of stuff. Again, I was not expecting Tuba to die as quick as she did. <laughs> it's like. I mean, it, it, it makes sense in the whole context of the season of, like, why they kind of had to get rid of her in order to, like, really set up why Hazel would fully say fuck these kids and leave with Amelia, <laughs> and also why Grace would basically be just abandoned or left by everybody else that she had known, more or less. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it makes context. It's just also, it's like, wow, I wouldn't have expected them to kill off this major character halfway in the season. <laughs> uh. Especially because, again, like, we've not had, like, major character death, really, besides some fucking cops, but also who cares? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, so, like, that's all I got, I think, so, do you yeah, have I final th- comments, I guess? Uh, no, I feel like we've already kind of discussed at length of, like, how we, per- like, saw this season, really. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, uh... I guess we should say, at the moment, the plan is to take a break next week. We want to talk about uh, Nimona instead of bumping straight into Season 4. And then once we've talked about uh, Cool Dragon Shapeshifter, we're going to be back for our final season of Infinity Train, huh? Yep. It, it kind of does hinge on like whether or not the site that I use to watch cartoons gets Nimona uploaded. Because, like... I'm not going to pay for Netflix. Gets fucked Netflix. <laughs> we'll find a way. Don't worry about it. Yeah, like, even if it comes down to you having to just stream the film for me or something. Crime is always acceptable. <laughs> Yay! Again, we're, we're still retain... We're still re- uh, rather, I still remain being the most wanted criminal on the podcast car, wherever that is on the train. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but that's, yes. that's the current plan. I mean, worst case scenario, maybe we 
have to start book four or we watch the moment between book four and whatever we're doing next. Yeah, I would really prefer not to interrupt a season in progress. So Yeah, it, yeah, we did that enough with Shira <laughs> with Owl House airing all the time. And and also we didn't did that happen also with Infinity Train? <laughs> uh back probably. Up, like early on. It's been a while. Uh, I'm um, trying to trying to see actually if I can find that. No. Uh when did that and that was April when the finale aired. Uh yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we started. Uh, oh wait, no, it was during Infinity Train. Yeah, book one. We got four. We got two podcast episodes equivalent to four episodes of Infinity Train into Infinity Train before. All right, because we bumped it up because we're like we don't want to sit on this until when it would release in order. So we released the Owl House finale out of order. We were alluding to stuff that would happen in like podcasts later on <laughs> that people didn't know about yet because we just bumped up the airing of that because it's like we have to put out the finale of the show we started with and named ourselves after <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we we got two episodes entirely into Tiffany Chain before we're like hang on <laughs> we had just oh, met Atticus nice. and then we were like we gotta do this <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um I suppose we should probably wind down so you can find if you have enjoyed this show, us on Twitter at usweirdoscast, obviously. I personally am on Twitter at patch underscore jacket and on co-host at nobody. Plus uh, a variety of streaming games for All on the Table, which are D&D actual plays made for and by queer people. Uh, I'm on the first and third Saturday of the month, at, or first and fourth Saturday, sorry, at twitch.tv slash thetransverse. And I'm also on the Transverse YouTube page with a pre-recorded show of Vigilantes Union Local 13. <laughs> and I'm still at the underscore Oblivion on Twitter and just at Oblivion on co-host where, like I said, I actually have access to my account again because I remember to log in and finally changed the email to my more current email so I actually remember how to get access. I posted my tits on there, but it's spoilered. Because, <laughs> yeah. again, I, that's when I had the super push-up bra, so I'm like, boobs. <laughs> Good. Uh, so yeah, if you... <laughs> uh, if, if there's any children listening to this, please stop. <laughs> Actually, maybe... <laughs> we swear a lot. We talk about tits too much. Please maybe don't subscribe to this until you're 18. <laughs> Look, I ain't your parent. I can't tell you what to do. I'm just trying to make a suggestion so you don't see your tits. <laughs> <laughs> We both posted our boobs on social media now at this point. I mean, to be fair, I haven't done mine uncovered, but yeah. <laughs> that is the thing we both done in some different degrees. <laughs> so yeah, don't listen to this if you're a child. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, um, have fun, and until next time, I think there's not much left to say, but remember, us weirdos have, have to stick, stick together. together. Bye! Bye. Thank <laughs> you.